Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good morning to you on a Monday, on a holiday Monday, and should begin the show by obviously and understandably recognizing the reason why it is a holiday today. Dr. Martin Luther King and a day to reflect upon not only the trials that he undertook, the courage in which he had to stand for the equality and the civil rights for all in this country, but obviously to allow all of us as to continue as free individuals in the United States to be able to talk about sports and other such things, uh, not necessarily even for the three of us in here, but rather uh, for those who did not have the same rights some 40, 50, 60 years ago, as recently as that may be, as say, my grandparents, great-grandparents, and etc. So for the opportunity for all of us to continue the vision and the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King, good Monday morning to you on what, uh, Kevin, in reality is a day where there's a ton of sports to talk about and some pretty incredible things that happen over the weekend in the world of sports. Certainly. And yeah, I'll echo what you said there at the start. Courage is the word I think of quite often when Dr. Martin Luther King's name comes up. So um, certainly honor him today and I think I think um, with our ownership group, Urban One, I know they're doing something tonight on, on one of their TV stations, TV One, involving Bobby Brown, Pharrell, uh, the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, so if you're looking for something tonight to check out, I would encourage you uh, to go down that path. Yeah, it is uh, obviously a busy weekend, you know, anytime the NFL playoffs get underway, especially with stretching the game to Monday, but we've got some afternoon appointment television today. Uh, no JMV on our airwaves today. That's because Pacers and Bucks have a 2.30 tip from Milwaukee. So uh, our coverage will begin at 2 o'clock. JMV is actually going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. We figured, hey, if he's not working his normal slot. Let's wake him up anyway. Well, you know he's been in the gym getting jump shots up for the That's last right. hour or so. Uh, and ironically, at 2.30 as well, it'll be Purdue and Michigan State from East Lansing. So some afternoon uh, big-time hoops, I, I would say. Certainly Purdue at Michigan State. And then tonight, of course, we'll round out Wild Card Weekend with Dallas at Tampa. Uh, boy, we're, we're five games into it. And I would say... Honestly, you could argue Seattle-San Francisco is entertaining for two and a half quarters. We have had some darn good football here from an NFL standpoint. Yesterday's games, all three of them, terrific. And then, of course, Saturday night, that comeback by the Jags. I I tweet at one point on Saturday, I go, the AFC South should play all their games in London. After Jacksonville's comeback, maybe they should play like in Bermuda. They they can get a little bit closer to the United States after that comeback uh, by them, one of the greatest in NFL postseason history, and now they will travel to Kansas City coming up on Saturday. One of the questions that I had for Mark when I came in this morning, and we had discussed this when this circumstance kind of rose its potential, now we know with the matchups that Cincinnati will go to Buffalo. Now, 
I was curious because Cincinnati finished the year at 12 and 4, Buffalo at 13 and 3. Obviously, that means each of them playing 16 instead of 17 games. We know why. Had Cincinnati won that game, had that game happened, DeMar Hamlin never gets hurt. The game play, if Cincinnati had won that game, they would be 13 and 4. Buffalo would be 13 and 4. Does that mean that Cincinnati wins the tiebreaker of the immediate, the first tiebreaker, which is head to head, and that game actually would have been in Cincinnati? Yeah, Cincinnati fans are none too happy about that, and that's why I'm confused by this. If they were, if they've already predetermined they're moving the AFC Championship game because that game could be could have impacted. The standings. Why did they not? Why are they not playing these this game on a neutral field? Yeah, the, the, that's a good point. Um, because obviously the game was deemed no contest, so it's not like Buffalo and Kansas City finished with the same record, right? Did they have the same amount of losses? I guess did Kansas City and Buffalo have the same amount of losses. Uh, Kansas City fourteen and three, Buffalo fourteen and three. So maybe that was the the difference on that, which doesn't make sense. How did Buffalo and Kansas City play the but, same amount of games? Buffalo didn't play. No, Kansas City fourteen. I'm sorry, fourteen three. Buffalo thirteen and three. They both have three losses. Gotcha. So maybe that's but what, the other, what but they the decided to go one, with. Kansas City went six and zero oh in their division. That would be the first tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker would be conference record. Had Buffalo won, they would have a ten and two conference record. So that would have they would have had that tiebreaker. Second tiebreaker, Kansas City would have won. So I guess I, they went off losses because Buffalo and Kansas City have the same amount of losses. They deem that neutral field. So if Buffalo and Kansas City both win this weekend. That'll be Atlanta for the AFC title game, whereas Buffalo and Cincinnati, they don't have the same amount of losses. I guess that is why Buffalo gets to host here coming up. I believe that is Sunday. Uh, And then, of course, tonight we've got Dallas and Tampa. So, so far, we've had all five overs hit. So, for our betting audience out there, they've been entertaining games on the scoreboard. And the underdog is hit in four straight playoff games. Really? Does that mean Tampa in the over tonight? Do you think Tampa wins? I mean, it's in. Mm-hmm. Mark and I both were. Do we have adamant. that bet going or what? Are we betting or what? The beer. Well, that's already. That's already. Been so you guys are even right now. Did you both take Chargers? Yes. No. And you both. But, no. We, I took. He took the. I took, on. Yeah. I. I I'm raising. Yeah, my I was going to say you, you probably took okay. Trevor Lawrence. The, did you the not? The wager that we had was that. I you gave it as an over under of two and a half of road teams to get a win, and I said the over. Mark, you I took the under. under. Clearly, you have won that bet, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Giants. Because New York is the only road team right. to have won, uh-huh. meaning a maximum of two road teams can win. And the but speaking of which, why do they call it the Super Wild Card Round? What what just happened? Because to wild it card round? expands to Monday this year. So instead of just being wild card weekend, it's super wild card weekend because you get the Monday night. Well, you added the extra playoff game. That's why. I I mean, during the regular season, there are always games on Monday. That's just a... I don't think it's as much they've added the day. I think it's they added the team. Okay. Well, anyway... And the seventh seed, I don't think is yet to... I don't think they've... I think it's 0-6, the seventh seed all time, since they expanded the playoffs a couple of years ago. So we do know... Three of the four matchups for next week. Again, it'll be Kansas City hosting Jacksonville. Uh, and then the night game will be an NFC East matchup of Philly and the Giants. That'll be Saturday night. 
And then you look at Sunday, the 3 o'clock game will be Buffalo-Cincinnati from Orchard Park, and then the night game will be San Francisco. They slide into the host seat with Minnesota losing. They will take on the winner of tonight. That will be Dallas and Tampa. Uh, You guys surprised Brandon Staley sells a job at this point? Yes. Uh, There were a couple of games over the weekend that were completely coaching blundered, right? Probably no more than Saturday night, right? You can't be blowing a 27-0 lead. 27-0. Which way do you... You know, it it is interesting to me. Kevin, Kevin, I'm going to sound like such a homer here, and I apologize for that. But because I obviously was a fan of Clemson during... And am a fan of Clemson, and that's where Trevor Lawrence played. But for so long, I have said that Trevor Lawrence... Reminds me of Peyton, a young Peyton Manning. I, I mean, there are so many parallels to me that I can see, and I know that. It, feel free to laugh at that and say, "Jake, you're crazy. He's not near as good." I get it. But one of the things about Peyton Manning early in his career, I remember Tim Bragg, and I used to joke all the time about Manning because Tim Bragg asked him a question once, like, "You know, is there anything that can be done about all the costly picks?" And Manning was like, "Costly picks? I, 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 I don't understand costly picks." And every time Manning would see Tim Bragg, he called him basically costly picks. But that's because Manning, early in his career, a lot of people forget, especially in the playoffs, was a guy that was known for an odd number of interceptions versus the regular season in terms of the timing of them and etc. And people forget that it took him a while to kind of break through in the postseason and get going and get on a roll. And as I was watching Trevor Lawrence in that first half, I'm like, here it is, man. I mean, he, he maybe maybe he isn't the real deal. And then the second half, the, the I'm not saying it's Trevor Lawrence, whether it was the charge, I don't know what it was, but clearly a different quarterback in the second half. Yeah, four interceptions for Lawrence in that first half. I mean, hell, what was it, the first like quarter and a half? Yeah. He had four picks there. Just an incredible comeback. Joey Bosa losing his mind, which helped out um, the Jags there late. Maybe this is more to do with kind of Saturday's game or Sunday's games, but obviously Brock Purdy speaks for itself. What he's done is the Mr. Irrelevant pick this season. But, you know, I'm watching yesterday. I'm watching Skylar Thompson and Tyler Huntley. And for those that missed it last night, you said wild start to the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, Baltimore and Cincinnati. Tyler Huntley, Baltimore's quarterback, trying to do the old dive over the pile to get in the end zone. The ball pops out short of the goal line, and Sam Hubbard returns at 98 yards for Cincinnati. So instead of Baltimore going up 24-17, having a seven-point lead with whatever, 10, 12 minutes to go in the game, uh, the reverse of that happens, and now Cincinnati's got a lead, and they hold on to beat Baltimore there. Almost a near connection on the Hail Mary to end the game. I'm thinking about how bad we watched the Colts this season from a quarterback play standpoint. And I'm seeing Brock Purdy as a seventh-round rookie. Skylar Thompson as a seventh-round rookie. I mean, Miami had no business being in that game. Right. And then even Huntley. And I get that Huntley's much more of an accomplished backup than the others. But Baltimore controlled that game for long stretches last night. It was just kind of, I don't know, a little bit of salt and wounds of like, man, I'm watching these teams with third-string rookie quarterbacks. But isn't that what Chris Ballard's always said? It's not about one guy? Uh, yeah, it, but Which I, is an indictment on the rest of the roster sure, for the Colts, right? Sure, yeah. I, and obviously, you know, Purdy and Thompson had some moments. Don't want to act like they were you know, throwing for 350 and three touchdowns apiece. Uh, but really entertaining games, and hopefully tonight 
uh, continues that. The Pacers lose Friday and Saturday. Um, Saturday's game will probably be remembered for the John Morant dunk. For those that were attending church on Sunday, I hope they threw Jalen Smith on the old prayer list for having to experience that. Uh, Friday night, Jake, that was that was one you felt like you kind of let get away from me, right? Yeah. Um, d- define what you mean by by get away from you. Oh, I mean they had a didn't they have a double digit lead in the fourth quarter? One on one ninety was it? Was it not that? Well, first off, I'm still thinking about John Morant's dunk. I, I want to get to that. I was at District Tap having dinner. I know Regent Bryan will be mad at me, I, but the game was on in there. Obviously, Kevin. Have you ever seen one of those plays where literally everybody stops what they're doing? Like everyone stopped what they were doing, and it's like that—that's the reason why. I mean, something like that, you watch it, and you're like, okay, that, I mean, that right there is why that game was sold out, and that was the toughest ticket to get, right? Yeah, we've mentioned it before. You know, guys that you pay to kind of watch play, or um, and, and Morant. You're just judging by the reaction from the audience all throughout the game. He's got some Steph Curry sort of like crowd reaction to him of the ooh and the ah when he makes those plays. I mean, he had some blocks on Saturday night that were just wildly impressive. You forget the dude is 6-2. But yeah, the Hawks beat the Pacers on Friday night. The Hawks game, though, back to that, Kevin, where it got away. You know what I thought got away the most from it? You're right. They were in control. Although... Whenever you have Trey Young on the other side of the floor, you know, you're kind of waiting for him to get hot, right? I thought where it got away from them, and they didn't really replay this, and I'm probably way off. I thought the game winning tip in looked like an auto goal. Like John Collins was scored as the tip in. I thought it might have been Isaiah. Like it was just kind of a. A free for all as the ball's coming off the rim, and I think it was the Pacers that tipped it in, but they didn't, you know. You know, it was. Um, I- I mean, overly critical because ripping this dude for a lack of effort is pretty foolish. But I think if you go back and watch that play, Trey Young pretty much like checks, chucks it up from half court. Yeah. I mean, it was like six or seven seconds to go. He throws up a prayer. The guy that just kind of stood there and watched was actually TJ McConnell on the initial rebound. The ball really caroms pretty far back. Um, I forget who it was. Maybe DeAndre Hunter got the first rebound. They got two cracks at it. And like you said, John Collins was right there. To put it in. So it's a three-game losing streak for Indiana now. Of course, the Tyrese Halliburton injury. No Miles Turner in either of those games this weekend. They have not lost four in a row this season. Today, they get Giannis this afternoon. Giannis is probable for that one. He sat out on Saturday. Um, how about this? The Pacers have lost eight straight to the Bucks. The margins of those games... Oh. 9, 15, 18, yeah. 10, 9, 27, 20, and 19. Shall we say matchup problem? By the way, when you said got away from him, I thought you were talking about the Saturday game against Memphis. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah the and the Friday game. John Morant was the one that got away from The him. Friday game, yeah, no kidding. The Friday game against Atlanta for the Pacers feels like three weeks ago. Um, but the highlight of that game, so we go to the game. I, Stephen Holder went with me, right? No, I did uh, did a little wish appearance with Stephen Holder last night. Did you? Met his daughter. F- very nice. Um, his daughter's what, like early high school? Eighth maybe? grader. Yeah. Uh-huh. So All we Greek leave, we leave uh, the arena, 
and and get ready to fill your bingo card here. I, I'm looking at a group text that I'm on with a bunch of people from high school, and Rob Whitaker sends a text that says, holy cow, I didn't realize that Too Short is at the Vogue. And I'm like, there's no way that's Too Short. It's got to be like a tribute rapper, right? There's no way Too Short is at the Vogue. So we look it up, and I say to Steven as we're driving up, you know, leaving the arena, I go, holy cow, dude, Too Short is really at the Vogue. Like, this is really, he really is there. So... I said, do you want to go? Steven's like, I don't know. What do you think? And I'm like, I... so Shannon's in the car. And Shannon's like, you guys can go. I, I don't I don't need to go to go see Too Short. And I said, well, why don't we do this? It says here that like the concert begins at 10. And at this point, it was like 930. I'm like, why don't we just drive there? And Shannon, you just take my car from there. And then we'll just Uber home. She's like, okay. So she drops us off. Steven and I go, wait in line. Sold out. Okay. So I said, well, let's go across the street and, and we'll get a beer and try to find a way to get tickets and get Scalp. it. So I started working all the angles, end up getting tickets. So we walk in. As soon as we walk in, I see literally four guys that I grew up with that are like my North Central teammates, George White, Robert Pearson, Andre Manning, uh, Brian Goode standing right there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And like I'm right back in 1990. It was the best. And Steven, I mean, we had so much fun. That's awesome. At the Two Short The concert. Vogue has sneaky acts I, like you're, that. You're not kidding, man. And it was fantastic i mean everything about it nostalgically it was fun that's a hell of a friday it was so much fun so steven and i i can't tell you the last time i was in broader pull at like you know 1 30 i noticed some bags under his eyes getting an uber going last night from steven it was it was absolutely awesome that is Loved a hell of a Friday. It. it was great, man. It was awesome. Uh, good weekend. Well, like I said, good Friday for Purdue. They control Nebraska, as you would expect. Purdue, again, like we mentioned to start off the show, they've got Michigan State today at 2.30. Indiana with a much-needed performance over Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon. You know, as water start, starting to find its level, Jake, perimeter-wise from IU, in terms of shooting it, the defense has just got to be... It's got to be a non-starter. Like, that has to be there every night. Obviously, you're not going to hold teams to 40-whatever it was, 45. Uh, but m- really, really, um, just kind of a must-have performance in January from Mike Woodson's bunch. Yeah, no question about that. And, and you got to give them credit, Kevin, for... You know, Wisconsin is not an easy team to offensively hit the throttle on, right? And, you know, they're hanging around in this ugly game. And then in the second half, they were like Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, the second half, they yeah, kind of started the second it up and they get going, right? It was one of those games, 21-20 at halftime. It'll make your eyes bleed watching that first half. But I had the feeling like whoever gets up seven or eight, the game will be over. And Indiana, boom, right to start that second half. Uh, stretched, I think, the double figures in Wisconsin. Uh, was not coming back from that one. So 63-45 for the Hoosiers. They are at the Fighting Illini coming up on Thursday. Uh, where are we at, Colts head coaching search? It seems like they, you know, they did obviously a flurry of interviews there. But does it feel like now they probably, although Jim Harbaugh has yet to be named as one of the interviews, right? No Jim Harbaugh, no Jeff Saturday yet. Yeah, I guess you're right. Although Saturday, you would think, will Saturday get an official interview? Or yeah, I, my thought was they just you know let him take the week. I mean, they after know the that season he obviously ended. wants the job, right? Yeah, I think it was you know let him get this week. Not you know necessarily a ton of exit interview stuff, but just kind of 
take a deep breath, get through the candidates um, that they want to, the external candidates that they wanted to interview, and then I fully expect him to interview this week. You know, on the hardball front, I think one thing to keep in mind, Jake, what would you say is like one of the uh, one of the knocks or one of the questions on hardball? Quirkiness. I think that's one of the things you often hear. Um, I feel like you often hear he wears people out after a few years. Yeah, bounced around a lot, right? Like it's like four years and then he's just, I mean, the San Francisco stint was four years. Obviously in college, the roster turns over every couple of years. So he feels a little bit like a football Larry Brown. And I guess the question I would have for that then is, Jake, if he wears this organization out or the people inside that organization out in three or four years, that rookie quarterback theoretically is going into his prime. And now you're bringing in a new head yeah, coach. Very good point. That's a little bit of a concern that I have on the Harbaugh front. Again, I don't. I think I've made it clear. I, I'm not like... I think people like assume you hire Harbaugh and he goes in the ring of honor as a coach in the next five years. Like I, I don't know if it's that much of a slam dunk, uh, but we have not seen his name mentioned yet. The Colts have interviewed seven candidates. For the most part, it's all the names we expect. Three on offense, three on defense, and then Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. I think now a question you have of five of the six uh, wildcard games being played you can start to interview candidates on teams that just played this weekend. Um, that's part of the rules that you have to follow. You couldn't interview any of these wild card team coaches this past week. So I'm looking at D'Amico Ryans from the 49ers, uh, the Bengals, both of their coordinators. I'd be looking at, uh, obviously, the connections are there with Buffalo's Leslie Frazier, who interviewed back in 2018. Does his name pop up this week? So I think that's kind of the next thing to look for is who do we see from the teams that played this weekend become first interviews with the Colts and then do we start to get to some second interviews like I know Carolina it's reported that they will interview Ben Johnson the Lions offense coordinator on Wednesday that will be a second interview with him Uh, the Colts interviewed Ben Johnson the Colts again have interviewed seven total candidates do we get to any second interviews this week are we and we'll get more into this coming up in a couple of minutes here, but are we for certain, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Colts are going to this year be playing with a brand-new rookie quarterback? A brand-new quarterback, probably, yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, because do you... I almost think the owner has to mandate it. Th- this is what, to me, is an... In- I came to an epiphany regarding the quarterback position that I think is a further indictment on one of the members of the Colts brass that he painted himself into a corner on. And I'll explain what I mean by that when we take a further dive into what the Colts might do at that position. Uh, and we will do that after the morning check. Yeah, I think one thing to mention, again, we can get into this uh, here in a few minutes, Jake, but today is the deadline for underclassmen to declare for the NFL draft. Uh, January 16th is that deadline. And as of right now, C.J. Stroud is still not declared for the NFL draft. Um, I think there are some whispers that he's having thoughts about returning to Ohio State. 
Um, it's a bit head-scratching to me why he would do that, considering you look at next year's quarterback class and Caleb Williams and Drake May. People are acting like 1-2, no-brainer, like this is the best quarterback duo to come out in years. Uh, you look at the money C.J. Stroud would get from an NFL signing bonus, it would dwarf anything from an NIL standpoint, I guess. I don't know totally what his NIL money would look like. But all of a sudden, if C.J. Stroud goes back to Ohio State, wow. What does Chicago now look like for that number one pick if Bryce Young is deemed a clear-cut quarterback above Will Levis or whoever else? That is a big, big storyline to watch today and will certainly impact the Colts there at number four. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the day. As we mentioned, JMV is going to join us at 8. No show for John today with the Pacers playing at 2.30. So JMV is going to join us at 8. Bob Kravitz at 9. And one of our favorites from ESPN, Field Yates at 9.30 to go over. What's been, I think, a really entertaining wild card weekend. And then, of course, the head coach openings around the league. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dyke to 93.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, we got one wild card game left. Tonight it'll be the Cowboys, a slight favorite in Tampa over Tom Brady's Bucks. The winner of that will head to San Francisco for the divisional round of the playoffs. So again, five games down so far. We've only had one road team win. That would be the Giants over the Vikings. The over and underdogs. That's kind of been the theme throughout um, of these five games so far. So you had San Francisco on Saturday beat Seattle. Of course, Jacksonville with that wild comeback over the Chargers. And then yesterday, three really competitive games. Um, You had Buffalo hold off Miami. Again, the Giants over the Vikings on the road. And then last night, a 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter was the difference in that one. That would be the Bengals protecting home field over the Ravens. And that was the difference. I mean, that that score, if he goes in and it's – the score goes 24-17 Baltimore. Does Cincinnati come back from that? Yeah, it's a great question. Cincinnati's offensive line really banged up. Just a monumental play in that game. I think what you saw this weekend, specifically with Baltimore and Miami, I think you saw what happens when you see divisional matchups happen for a third time in a year. You know, you get these teams in the same division that know each other so well, it kind of turns into this back and forth, and it's something to note is we'll get Eagles-Giants coming up on Saturday night. Uh, NBA, Pacers in Milwaukee. Kevin mentioned it earlier. That is a 2.30 tip as a result of that. No JMV today, but he will join us on the program coming up just under a half an hour from now. But Pacers over the weekend, two-step at the field house, losing on a tip into Atlanta on Friday night, and then John Morant in Memphis uh, fairly handily with an incredible dunk from John Morant on Saturday. So Pacers trying to snap that skid. Again, Jeff Foster's birthday. Today. Win one for Foster. Is it really? Feisty Foster, right? Milwaukee, the place, by the way, Kevin, where Jeff Foster's rookie year during the playoffs, I was up there covering it, and at like 1 o'clock in the morning, I went into a 24-hour diner, and Jeff Foster was sitting eating a bowl of chili, and I said... um, do you guys not have a bed check? And he looked and said, do you really think they'll notice if I'm not there? <laughs> my, one of my favorite. He was on the inactive. I mean, he was not active. That's still, awesome. Great great guy, Jeff Foster. 
10-point uh, spread in that one. College basketball from the weekend. Uh, Butler and Purdue get home victories on Friday night. Uh, and then Indiana, a really important one on Saturday. Um, 63-45, the final in that one. Mark, if you can queue up that Mike Woodson audio. Uh, the defensive effort, certainly much different from the Hoosiers on Saturday. That in a positive way. Here was Mike Woodson afterwards on that. And I'd been in enough games where neither team could score the basketball, and it's a dogfight. You know, everybody's scratching and scraping and trying to, to get a bucket and can't get it. And that's how it was the first half. So I don't mind games like that. You know, I just I told our guys at halftime that the defense was solid, and if we can just find some offense to get a cushion, it would be just fine. And I thought we started the second half on, on a bang. We were great. I think it was an 18-2 run when we started. And we go a little mm. something like this. Mm-hmm. Hit it. That was him on driving down Walnut going home after the game. Well, at least He opened Xavier, for too short at the Vogue, didn't he? Xavier Johnson wasn't doing that for him. Yeah, easy now. Uh, there was a DJ that opened for too short. Uh, and too short, quite frankly, it was less a concert and more of like just a monologue that occasionally went into some <laughs> lyrics, but it was cool. It doesn't shock me. It was so awesome. How about how about these numbers from Indiana? 32% from the floor shooting, 20% from three, 36% from the foul line, and you beat a ranked team by 18. And again. That goes to show you what the defensive effort was. Kind of a tale of two halves also, right? Uh, they've got, again, coming up Illinois on Thursday. Today, the big one for Purdue at Michigan State. How about this? Purdue is favored by four and a half in East Lansing. When do you think the last time Purdue's been favored on the road at Michigan State by four and a half points? And Michigan State still, to me, every time I think like at Michigan State, I just think like, oh man, like you know that impossible game. Uh, is it? I, you know, I mean, th- there's there's a little bit of like an intimidation fact. I go all the way back to the Breslin Center of just like this raucous environment. Um, but it should be a good one today for Purdue, no question about 400th it. 400th win for Matt Painter on Friday night, one of five Big Ten coaches to accomplish that feat. So uh, pretty uh, impressive run that Matt Painter's had in West Lafayette. All right, we'll update you on the Colts head coaching search. Um, again, JMV going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock, Bob Kravitz at 9, and Field Yates at 9.30 again. Today, you got some afternoon basketball. The Pacers and Purdue both playing at 2.30. Tonight, you've got the NFL wildcard game, but some big college football news that certainly will impact the Colts in the draft. We'll explain more coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One of the great songs from U2, Pride, about, obviously, Dr. Martin Luther King. We play it on this Dr. Martin Luther King holiday. Good Monday to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. We will get into the Colts coaching search, kind of the latest on that in just a minute. A couple of questions I had for you, Kevin, first. I thought about this as I was watching Baltimore last night, and you had mentioned it. We saw over the course of the weekend and the playoffs, one team in Baltimore who was right there 
on the doorstep of a road win using a backup quarterback with their franchise quarterback out and Lamar Jackson. Um, We saw, obviously, in San Francisco, a great performance from a backup quarterback with their starting quarterback out. Third stringer, if you want to get technical. Yeah, you're right. And and rookie or second year? Rookie. Rookie, yeah. Um, And then you have... In Miami, another situation where I—I I mean, that was the one in particular that you thought Miami's not going to—you know, what was it, a thirteen-point spread or something like that—and you know they're hanging around with yeah, seventh-round rookie, third stringer again. So, Chris Ballard has himself said repeatedly that it's about more than one player; it's about building a roster. It shouldn't come down to the quarterback position. And those three scenarios that we just discussed would back up that claim. Which then begs the question, if this year in Indianapolis with the Colts, they were themselves in situations where they had to go to the backup quarterback or the number three quarterback, and in the Colts' case, in that locker room, perhaps the gap wasn't as great one, two, three between quarterbacks as they are with other franchises, but nonetheless, the games that we saw this weekend with backup quarterbacks or non-regular starting quarterbacks keeping their teams in contention in the postseason – That would indeed validate Chris Ballard's claim that it's about more than just a quarterback position to be a competitive football team, which then begs the question of what does it say about the Colts that they were a four-win football team and the one area that he has never addressed is in fact quarterback. So the areas that he has hyper-focused on, he has built a team that by his own blueprint or design other teams are validating his mindset but his own efforts itself with that mindset is a four-win football team yeah and again jake that is where if i'm jim mercy i have the biggest question for chris ballard because let's separate two things for a second let's separate ballard's philosophical approach like okay his approach is his approach okay so let's focus in on that for a second but his approach is not leading to results that are deemed acceptable, promising, playoff appearances, division wins, et cetera, et cetera, is not at the level that Jim Irsay should think is a successful stint in six years. So again, if you just separate, like you can disagree with his philosophical approach, but if you just evaluate him on his own, own approach and you look at the failings of that that is where i come back to and say wait you told me this was the proper path and i might have been skeptical about going down that path in the first place but we are down that path and we're lost and the offensive line the highest paid offensive line in football failed us and the defensive line and all these draft picks that you have invested when the fourth quarter comes around they're library quiet and trying to make a big play to ice a game those would be where i would have honestly probably more questions if i were ursay because again that is what ballard believes in i I always thought it was laughable that comment he made at his first ever press conference about it's not about one guy jake look how much money quarterbacks get paid in the nfl 
Doesn't that tell you everything? Right. I mean, like if you just went off average salary of every position in the league, the quarterback makes that money because, like you saw with Peyton Manning here, that position is supposed to kind of be the the what the rising tide, if you will, of lift these ships up. Do, do you around you? My concern is this, and this, and if I was Chris Ballard listening to this show right now, I would be throwing my hands in the air and he's right about this we've sat here and gone on and on and on about the necessity to draft a quarterback and the time is now to draft a quarterback but then the other side of that is but don't draft a quarterback just to draft one and my concern would be that the Colts may draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback and if I'm Chris Ballard and they go what do you guys want me to do you've been telling me forever I got to draft a quarterback now I draft one and you're telling me I'm only doing it because I had to, and I just took a guy to take a guy. I don't want the Colts to get into a Cleveland Browns Brandon Whedon situation of, hey, you know what, Like, uh, there's a quarterback on the clock and we just got to take it. But Jake, the counter to that would be, what over the last four years all of a sudden makes you think that the path the Colts have gone down has led to some great uh, amount of success? Right. They can't win the division with the route that, 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 that they've taken. They've had one playoff win in six years. It's not like they're even making somewhat January type traction with the path like to me you you just I made the baseball analogy several times you've got to get the bat off your shoulders and at least swing at a pitch they refuse to swing at a pitch in drafting a quarterback again it's not easy but you look at the AFC there's four teams left where were those four guys drafted so you've got Joe Burrow who was number one selected overall right Trevor Lawrence, number one selected overall. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, first round, but they moved up, right? Yeah, trade up 27 spots to number 10. And Josh Allen went seven overall. Buffalo traded up twice to get him. Hey, that, to me, kind of tells you yeah. everything you need to know about. Got, they went out and got their guy, right? And again, the future of this conference, when you look at their ages and all of that. You know, one name I wanted to bring up, I'm a little surprised. I think we maybe heard his name in Arizona, but I'm surprised we have not seen him be interviewed a little bit more right now around the league. What about Brian Flores? Yeah. Do you wonder if the lawsuit that he filed, I mean, does that hold him back? I don't know. I think he's a heck of a football coach, right? He won nine and ten games each of the last two years in Miami without... Tyreek Hill. I mean, right. it's not like you know what Miami did from a personnel standpoint. He's a name I'm a little bit surprised. By the way, we are going to have uh, Mark. Give me the time again for Chuck Pagano tomorrow. Nine forty. So Chuck Pagano going to join us around nine forty. I think a really good insight from Chuck Pagano of you know what goes into being interviewed as a head coach. What what are the remember I asked that question. I'm like, what do they ask him? You know, are they asking him things like, what would you do on fourth down? Or are they asking them personnel? You know what. What is the interview process? You know, Chuck had a whirlwind when you think about it. Um, the Ravens lost in the AFC Championship game to New England, I believe, on like a short missed field goal. And that was Chuck's first year as a coordinator. And you see some of these candidates right now. The Colts have interviewed several of them that are in their first year as a coordinator. I mean, you, you talk about how just like quickly of an ascension that is. Like, let's take, for example, Ben Johnson, Jake. Okay, Lions OC, first full-time OC job in the NFL. 
That guy was the tight ends coach for the Lions last year. On important assistant coaches, you know, I, I've been fortunate to cover the Colts for the last, you know, 12 years now. I, I don't think I can name more than two tight end coaches. Right. Like, that's what, the eighth most important assistant coaching job on a on a staff? And yet, in 18 months, that guy could go from tight ends coach to a, the head coach in an NFL franchise. Does that worry you? Yes and no, because yes, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, are you going to be in over your head? I mean, that is right. quite the jump. But then you watch some of these coaches yesterday. I mean, Zach Taylor for the Bengals had a very similar sort of rise on Sean McVay's staff. Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings, a very similar rise. Part of me is worried, Jake, but then part of me says, if you don't give that guy a chance, is somebody else going to find the next, and I've made, I've made this analogy before, find the next Brad Stevens? He is, Johnson's intriguing. He was one of the first names that popped out uh, in terms of the list that they were coming out with. How many have they? How many interviews have they now conducted? Do we know, Kevin? Seven. So yes, seven. Three on offense. Those would be Ben Johnson, as we've mentioned, Shane Steichen, Eagles offense coordinator, and then Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. Three on defense. Those would be Raheem Morris from the Rams, Agiro Avero from the Broncos, and Aaron Glenn from the Lions. And then um, Colts special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone. I assume Jeff Saturday will join that list here somewhat soon. Yeah, I don't know if Jeff Saturday, I look forward to finding out You know, if there's a specific time that he sits down to do the interview or does he simply say, hey guys, I think you know that I'm a candidate and that interview was the seven weeks that he was the interim. You know, I don't know. And I do think he is definitely... And I know this sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but this had been asked. Uh, I I can tell you, Jeff Saturday is interested in getting that job, so it's not. I, I think that's putting it lightly. You know, yeah, he is very interested in getting that job, and probably very interested in telling people like me to shut the you know what up about his embarrassing one and seven run as interim head coach. <laughs> you think so? Uh, this C.J. Stroud news, like this is news, big news. The fact that he might return to Ohio State. And today's the deadline for under now. If you're Mark Dykton and you're a Bears fan, you want CJ Stroud back at Ohio State. Yep. You want a clear division in the quarterback class for 2023. You don't want two people on one tier. Here's where it impacts the Colts, Kevin. It impacts the Colts not only because it may limit the number of quarterbacks available, but also because it may limit the value of the four pick. If they want to drop back, you know what I mean? Like if there was thought that they would drop back and take, say, Hendon Hooker, like late first or early second, if you now only have two quarterbacks that are franchise quarterbacks in the draft, Young and then maybe Will Levis, and maybe Richardson out of Florida, maybe, but the fewer quarterbacks that are there, the you would think the diminished the value, right, of the four pick. And increased the value of the number one overall pick. Correct. So... That is something, again, to keep an eye on. I don't – I mean, I, I love the thought of, well, as someone that's an Notre Dame fan and sees Ohio State on the schedule next year, I guess I don't love this thought. I, I love the idea of C.J. Stroud potentially wanting to go back to Ohio State, win a national title, play with Marvin Harrison Jr. again. Obviously, the NIL money would be notable. It is surprising to me, though, he would make such a decision, if he indeed makes that. We'll, we'll see what happens today. He can still declare now, today. But next year's draft class, by all accounts, seems to be – 
loaded a quarterback. And, that, you know, there was a report out of Chicago that Indianapolis was trying to put together a package that included Michael Pittman and the number four to move up into that number one. Uh, Where does that come from? Well, here's the other thing. Isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, Pittman's a free agent, is he not? He is, he's got one more year left. He does, okay, I'm sorry. It's Patman that's a free agent, right? Uh, boy, uh, well, the only reason I asked, think, we saw, the we saw Pittman and, and Patman at the Pacer game. I did not say anything to them, but Stephen Holder did, and one of them said something about free agency, and I was thinking both were. But if you, again, if you're Chicago, would you trade for a guy that's got one year left? I mean, I'm going to want a lot more than Michael Pittman. Well, of course. You know, if I'm the Bears, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, support for Justin Fields is going to be huge. That's something that, and again, JMB is going to join us in a few minutes. But Jake, we talked about the Jags briefly to open up the show. Something that I thought they did a brilliant job of this offseason, and they got really criticized for it. But they brought in Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. I think a lot of those three guys, by the way, what a beautiful sight over Riley Towers. That's a nice cotton candy sky here on <laughs> this Monday morning. It's supposed to rain morning. today, isn't it? That looks glorious, does it not? It does. It is um, a good-looking sunrise, yeah. What Jacksonville did this offseason is the moves for Jones, the moves for Christian Kirk, the moves for Evan Ingram. Yeah. And we laughed at the Kirk move. A lot of people define that as you're paying C players B money. Or B players, A money. But you know what Jacksonville said? Trevor Lawrence got a lot of scar tissue from that rookie year. And if he has another year like that, he might never recover. And we've got to make sure that we support him. And when you look at Chris Ballard and what he did in the month of March, not a single offensive free agent signing during that period to support. Like, Matt Ryan did not support the Colts. The Colts didn't support Matt Ryan either. Jacksonville didn't worry about what Christian Kirk's grade was elsewhere they worried about what his grade was to them and they realized what shopping in march means you've got to make sacrifices yeah you can't walk in there and think you're going to the dollar tree love the dollar tree by the way do you not everything in there's a dollar though right yeah but it's not it's not too much it's a buck 25 now (laughs) that's the other that's the other floor here mark yeah we can get to inflation here coming up (laughs) in the eight o'clock hour whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. JMV, 8 o'clock, Bob Kravitz and Field Yates from ESPN in the 9 o'clock hour. I was about to say John Boy. I don't know if that's what JMV wants me to say here as we introduce him in just a second. Again, no JMV today because the Pacers have got a 2.30 tip from Milwaukee. Did want to mention this. I know JMV has been big supporter of the Indiana women's basketball program. Terry Morin, a tremendous crowd yesterday down there in Bloomington for the Hoosiers. She is one win away from being the winningest coach in program history. They are 16-1 and on the year. Obviously, the men get a big win over Wisconsin on Saturday. And the women come back yesterday and pummel the Badgers. Um, so another tremendous season down there. Battling some injuries, too. Looks like they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, but the Indiana women having a great season. Uh, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. You obviously hear him from 3 to 6 on a daily basis. You'll not hear him today, though, so we decided to have him on. Uh, morning hoops, John, at Southport today? Uh, I played yesterday, and it was such a freaking disaster 
I got mad and cussed and then didn't go back in today. So I'm actually sitting in, in the truck right now. Mark caught me. I was rubbing CBD oil that I think is illegal here all over my body in preparation to try to go back midday and play. I didn't do morning. I'm doing midday. Yeah, it's always good, Jake. We have guests rubbing oils on their body at 8 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I got a little worried there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, early in the morning, sitting in the truck rubbing. I was like, okay, here we go. What happened yesterday? A little bomb, a little bit of oil. I sucked. I couldn't shoot. The rims were too tight. It was too cold in there. You know, Jake, you played basketball before, right, Jake? I know you have too, Kevin. I mean, it's never our fault. It's actually what else is going on in there. You got to turn the heat up a little bit. You got tight rims, even with the Marion County tournament ending. I thought those guys maybe would have banged on the rims a little bit, but they're still really tight. And it certainly had nothing to do with um, with my jumper. It had everything to do with what was going on around me. Well, how so about the kid? Where was it in the state where the kid broke the backboard? Yeah, party, the, right? the Purdue yeah, commit. Town Central. Yeah, Jack, Jack, Benter, Jack Benter, who yeah. Uh, I believe is going to uh, Purdue. That's right. To play for Matt Painter. Uh, dunked and did a Jerome Lane right, right there on that rim at Brownstown. They actually had to postpone the game. They couldn't. And I, I always wondered that, Jake. Jake and Kevin, you ever wonder what would happen if somebody were broken a backboard like Jerome Lane did back in the 80s? And I guess we found that out because Silver Creek had to go back to uh, Sellersburg after that and postpone the game because they did now, not have a replacement. John, they tried a think- leak in their gym a few weeks ago, like third, fourth quarter, and they had to go upstairs to their auxiliary gym and finish it. Seriously? Yeah. Which I, I, I love. I mean, I love just obviously you can't do it every night from a, a, an attendance standpoint. I but. think of – now there's one other guy that I think of with, bro- with shatter backboards. Obviously Shaq was a big one, Daryl Dawkins. But Darvin Ham also, who had a cup of coffee yeah. with the Pacers, he broke a backboard too. In the tur- was that in the tournament or right before the tournament? Um, I thought it was right before. I think it was right before. I'm curious, is, is it cool? Is that cool to do? Like, if, if you're Jack Benter, if you went up and you dunked and you broke the backboard, is that cool when you have to postpone the game and everybody goes home and all that happens? That <laughs> oh, cool? yeah. I mean, oh, girls it? are texting him I for mean, sure. I mean, we're talking about it for sure, right? It seems like a. Doesn't seem cool to me. Is that because I can't jump? Yeah, I was going to say, you go three-point line to three-point line, and you're just <laughs> moaning about the rim. Can you imagine if Blake or Laney came home, and they're like, Dad, the rims were so bad, I couldn't make a single jump shot. You'd be yelling at them for mi- making excuses. Hey, Kev, they may crash in the backboard with their jumpers alone. They don't necessarily <laughs> have to be athletic to jump up there and grab the rim, okay, buddy? Let me tell you. I uh, mean, there's, hey, there's some jumpers, and it's cringeworthy. That's why... I, you're going to notice this, Kevin. when you grow up um, with your kids here. Um, when they're playing basketball or any kind of sports, you're not going to be allowed to have any reaction whatsoever. You're going to have to be like rounders. You're going to have to have a poker face <laughs> on this. I can't do anything because it went from me being able to say something, now I can't say anything, and I can't even have any reactions now. Sir, I can't. You know, I, say, Laney would look over and say, oh, I saw you face palming on my jumper. <laughs> so I just kind of sit there like I'm Matt Damon in rounders, and you know that's that's that. Not even any uh, any reaction. That's that's where I am. I think in, in parenthood in in terms of sports. He's JMV four of twenty four is what I heard on Saturday or Sunday morning at Southport for him. Uh, again, no show today. Pacers and Bucks at two thirty. Um, so John will have the day off. Uh, where do you think we're at right now? Colts head coaching search. Seven candidates in. Um, you can start to interview divisional round, or I should say the teams that played in the wild card round. Still no Jim Harbaugh, still no just Saturday. Where do you think we're at going into week two? 
Well, I, I think that either this is the, the best-kept secret in the history of the Colts, which we both know that that's not true, probably, or there's no interest as of yet on either side. I mean, really, the only thing that we've heard regarding Jim Harbaugh, Kevin and Jake, is the whole Jeremy Fowler thing. And, you know, that was last week in a, a small blurb on ESPN.com. I mean, really, really nothing there. Um, I don't know if I'm surprised by that. I'm bummed by that because I know, Kevin, we disagree on this point. He's perfect. He is absolutely perfect for this team from such a variety of levels, from results in the past, from success, uh, from just being a really good head coach. And then given this crap water situation, you know, this bunch of BS that everybody's had to put up with, and, you know, from the owner to the general manager to the coach that used to be here. I mean, all this soft touch and BS, he is absolutely perfect John, for it. is it possible, is it, feel free to tell me I'm a moron here, is it possible that Jim Harbaugh is so such a natural fit with a history of the franchise that he wouldn't necessarily go through an official interview and that if he simply says to Jim Mersey, look, I'm interested, that that is enough right there? So you're saying, Jake, that it's kind of like too short, blow the whistle. So he's just going to blow the whistle? <laughs> yeah. Right. By, the, by the way, and man. Then he's coming down here. I'm telling you, we'll get to that in a second. But no, 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 Jake, you, you guys are right. This this could be, because that is the one thing you do here, and this is just in the rumor mill, is that there is interest on both sides, and there still is. I think Chris Ballard last week suggesting this could take, you know, into February. You're absolutely right. I mean, he could just blow the whistle. And, hey, you know what? We want you. You want to come here. Then all else be damned, and you come on down, and this is your gig. It, it could. I just – we'll get back to that point in a second, though, Kev. I'm curious, because I've heard you say a couple of different times, why are you not completely sold on this? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's part of it that's like his quirkiness, but the the, the resume is darn impressive. There's no denying that. Um, I think you have to acknowledge the guy hasn't been in the NFL in nearly a decade uh, I think that the game has changed a bit from what they're doing at San Francisco. Um, the other question I would have is, you know, what you hear about him is he just wears people out. And if you get three or four years into it and, you know, they've had whatever, a decent amount of success, and then he's just worn whoever out within that organization, mainly a young quarterback, what does that do for the future of your franchise? No, I think it's great. I, I want him to wear somebody out. Somebody needs to be worn out. The only thing we get worn out on around here is over-evaluation and lack of results. So, I, I, you know, and you're right. I mean, his shelf life can be, probably would be rather short. Because in the college so, game, obviously, the roster turns yeah. over. Right. But here's what I think, Kev. I think in, in any sort of shelf life with Jim Harbaugh, he's going to create results. And, man, this, this fan base, you know, Colts fans are so in need. It is such an necessity of having something to lean on of positive of above positive results and i think he gets that thing in the blender and going quicker than anybody else and then i think we'll worry about whether or not he's worn out somebody else whether or not you know his shelf life is uh fading when we get further down the road and i think when we get further down the road if he's the guy and that's happening that's coming with a level of success and that's what everybody wants jamie let me throw you my overall feel or or temper on this coaching search for the Colts and you tell me if you agree or disagree with it 
I think that Jim Harbaugh is the guy that Jim Mercer knows would probably be the home run hire, certainly the aesthetic and optics hire. Uh, and that would be, like we said, he blows the whistle. I think that that's what would happen. But I also think that Jim Irsay still is very fond of not only Jeff Saturday, but some of the areas where Jim Irsay saw improvement under Jeff Saturday or where he is intrigued by him. And that the other interviews that are taking place are not necessarily taking place because they have this wide open job, but rather to make sure that there isn't someone out there that could potentially totally blow them away where they go, you know what, I never would have guessed that that guy was going to do that, but but let's take a look at that. And that right now it is still a two-horse race. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying right there. I, I've had some theories on this. Uh, one certainly is that they are just running through dudes right now um, to get – to Jim Harbaugh, and I'm also thinking right now they're running through dudes. So Chris Ballard, fellas, if Jim Harbaugh is not the guy, and I'm not even suggesting he likes Jim Harbaugh or Harbaugh is going to be the guy, but don't you think they're going to have a collection of dudes here that Chris Ballard can throw at Jim Ursay at some point if it's not Harbaugh or if it's and say, hey, here is a bunch of guys. These this is why these guys will work a lot better than you hiring Jeff Saturday. It's almost like they're accumulating talent here to throw at Jim Hersey in case it comes down to whom they've interviewed compared to who has been the interim head coach. Does that make sense to you? It's almost yeah. like you're Chris Ballard saying, hey, uh, this is the reason why Jeff Saturday should not be that for the future, knowing that ultimately if it's not you know, a big-time get like a Harbaugh, that that's exactly what Ursa is going to do, and that is going to be higher Jeff Saturday for the long term. John, if I gave you Harbaugh or Saturday as the hire, or if I gave you the field, who would you take right now? The field, probably. The field. Oh, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. Maybe not sitting here right now, the field, because I think sitting here without any Harbaugh influence that that the owner is going to have, as he will, that final say. And I think that owner, Kev, I know you kind of waned on that a little bit. I think the owner still really wants to see Jeff Saturday as the coach, and he would like to see it by all means necessary. And without Harbaugh, I think that would be by all means necessary. So give me Saturday right now until we see otherwise. That I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought the embarrassment of the season w- w- was a little bit too much. Um, but as we know with Jim Mersey, the emotional connection with Jeff Saturday, he's made that abundantly clear what he thinks of him. And we've seen, you know, a guy we're having on tomorrow, Chuck Pagano, talk Jim Mersey back it, into it. Is it possible, though, Kevin? I can see Jeff Saturday doing that in an interview setting. So, for either one of you guys, JMV is our guest, by the way, on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Is it possible that Jeff Saturday that the results in terms of the on-field scoreboard results were obviously less than desirable. But is it possible that Jeff Saturday actually was, in terms of what Jim Irsay asked and wanted him to do in the interim role, is it possible that Jim Irsay knew at that point the year was a wash? And so he said to Jeff Saturday, I'm going to give you a list of five things I want you to do. 
go about those things and the record be damned. I'm not worried about the wins and losses. Do these five things, assess these five areas, break them down, and then come back to me and don't worry about the noise of what everybody says about the results. I believe no, you. Yeah, you're talking about intel here. You're talking about hiring him to get that intel because you trust him. Hey, what is going on within my organization Correct. that really I should already know, but for some odd reason I don't know and I don't trust anybody else that has been on uh, the staff or within this organization prior to feed me these results. But is it that possible, John, that that's what took place? Yeah, yeah, there's no no doubt about it. I think that Jim does want Jeff Saturday to remain the coach and be the coach, but I think also equal to that, Jake, as you mentioned, I think he wants a level of intel that he feels that maybe he's not getting, that he certainly trusts more with Jeff Saturday than he does with anybody else. And that's what makes it even more so confusing as to why it is so easy, so simple to go into a seventh year with Chris Ballard. And, Kev, I'll lob this at you. Is it because that that Jim Mercer himself would not want to hire in one hiring cycle, a general manager, a coach, and then also be involved in having your long-term quarterback selection coming up. If it were different like that, would Chris Ballard get a seventh year, or is he getting a seventh year because there are so many high-level decisions, in this case, this offseason, to be made? Yeah, I think it's an element of ego, too. You know, I mean, he didn't fire Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson in the same offseason. I think you just extended Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, what, you know, 16, 18 months ago. I I don't think he, you know, wants to admit, you know, total wrong on both of that. Uh, to, to Jake's point about what Jim Mersey thought, you know, there was part consultant, but Jim Mersey said, you know, we're in this thing. 9-7-1 gets us in the dance. No questions about it. We're not tanking the season. I mean, remember the Ursay tweet after the Raiders game? Just win, baby. He had the Al Davis reference in there. They don't win a single football game after that. So it would be Ursay going back on his word, which wouldn't be the first time. Um, during all of this. Do want to get to the Pacers, John. Again, JMV's with us. Uh, 2 o'clock, our coverage today. Pacers and Bucks. That's a 2.30 tip from Milwaukee. So no show today for JMV. Uh, 10-point underdog. No Halliburton. We'll see about Turner. We know what happens when Giannis faces the Pacers. Could be the first four-game losing streak of the season. Uh, is this going to impact what happens in the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks? Well, I mean, it's funny. I had a promo that was rolling and saying, hey, uh, this winning is going to impact the trade deadline and is going to influence what happens in the not-so-distant season for this team. And, and maybe that it does, because if you look ahead, Kev, after this game today, uh, this thing gets tough. And it's going to be tough to navigate. Even if you get miles back, that's one thing. But the straw that stirs is clearly Halliburton, and they are a much, much different team on the floor without him. And you can't, you know, equate to what Miles does in a loss in a game for him either. But for Halliburton, it's even much more. And you saw they got run off the floor by the Grizzlies, got clowned. John Morant goes in for the dunk of the year, and Pacer fans are cheering and. Yeah, I don't like where this is going, and I, this may call for a, a, another, I guess you would say, reevaluation of where you're going to be coming up in the trade deadline if this thing spins out of control. I'd like to think that this team, Kev and Jake, is at least this season who we thought it might be compared to the results we have seen when they are healthy. But I don't know. As people that watch the Pacers over the years, 
I mean, I know you felt good about the two weeks, the reevaluation and check the scans and all that, but this is a Pacer team, and you have to be a little bit apprehensive about the what-ifs in terms of injuries because you've been bitten by that so many times. So I don't know if you reevaluate it, Kev. It may be a still work in progress, and maybe there are going to be some determining factors that we're going to see beginning today and on this, this road trip where we see this team once again play without the straw, or the straw that stirs in, in Halliburton. That is just, to me, going to be a tremendous struggle for them. I think they knew going into the year that Halliburton was clearly the centerpiece that everything was going to feed off of, and they wanted to assess each player based on how they play with Halliburton. And as a result of that, having him removed, I think they are going to say, let's not knee-jerk to what happens now without him in the lineup because in the long term, they expect him to be there. So therefore, I don't think that they retool based on what happens without him in the lineup. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I, yeah, it does make sense too. And I thought Friday night was tremendous in, in an opportunity that was lost because you needed that calm during the storm right now. And you're right there with Atlanta. That would have been uh, huge. Not, yeah, we, we, we're, we look at that a little bit differently now. That was a game that was so... Um, winnable, and it wasn't. You kind of knew what you were going to get on Saturday night, the second of a back-to-back. You get Memphis in town, but that was so winnable, and it wasn't. And, yeah, it, it just looks like that. It's a little bit stormy right now, and maybe maybe some of these results here in the next less than a month or so will dictate exactly what they're going to do, fellas, moving forward here this year. It's your neck of the woods a little bit there. Taven Jackson commits to Tom Allen. Is he saving Tom Allen's job here? Um, well, I don't know. Is he going to be running for his life? Uh, did he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, did he bring some offensive linemen from him from, from, from Tennessee? Do we have I, any evidence at all that Indiana was a quarterback away? No, they're not. No, Jay, listen. Look at that O line. We, we, we know this. I mean, it's IU football. That is just like a, that's a really good story, and we know how. This is going to turn out. I like Taven a great deal. He is an athletic talent. That is fantastic. And that is certainly that, – that is a breath of fresh air that this program needs in this offseason. But, yeah, it's not going to be waving a magic wand by any stretch. Uh, we'll see, for example, if Wisconsin for the IU basketball team was that on Saturday. Such a different focus defensively that we saw uh, compared to the prior two games in that second half against Iowa – but, Kev, you brought this up when you brought me on the show. How about that women's program? Yeah. I got the badass. The badass Grace Berger, I think, is coming all of me tomorrow. They are they are fun to watch. Grace Berger, Sydney Parrish, it's a, a wonderful collection of talent for that basketball program for the women. Now. And I think getting a taste of it last year with that tournament run was huge, bringing back so much of that core. Yeah, it sounded like a great crowd. Um, down there yesterday for their win over Wisconsin. Hey, John, did you know that Too Short was going to be at the Vogue? Because I didn't know that until literally uh, yeah. it was too late. I saw it I saw it about a month ago, but I'd forgotten about it, too. Yeah, that would be one. I'm glad you got to do that, too, because that'd be one. I'm, I'm a guy that wants to collect. It, it, maybe I, I don't like him as much. Maybe I do like him as much, but I'm a resume collector right now as far as who I want to see. And Too Short would be on that list. I've seen Eric Van Rakim. I've seen Public Enemy a couple of times. Queen Latifah. Um, I, who else have I seen? Trifold Quest. Um, I've seen all these old school acts. Cool Modi. What about Daddy Slick King. Rick? You ever seen Slick Rick? I have not seen Slick Rick. That would be another one that I'd like to add. Third base but, is another one that I'd like to see, but I don't know how much they do anymore. 
Yeah, I don't think they do anything. I don't think those two get along either. I don't. I had uh, I had Pete Nice and MC Search on Once Upon a Time, and it was kind of clear to me that they didn't really get along. But man, the Cactus album—that's classic right oh, there. And that would be one definitely. I think the last time we saw them play, I think the late great DJ Indiana Jones, DJ Indiana Jones, put that together in Broad Ripple. Uh, that was about yeah, Warm Fest, right? Ago. Yeah, 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 it was uh, in Broad Ripple, and, and they were great there. But I think uh, Pete Nice, I think, was a card collector, a baseball card collector. And uh, MC Search was doing a radio show, I believe, out of out of Detroit. But how was Too Short Saturday? Uh, it was really good. It was, I mean, it was great fun. It was nostalgically fun. He didn't do, it wasn't necessarily a concert as much as him just kind of doing like, a lot of monologue on stage and then he would break into the you know the, the music would come up in the background he would do maybe like half a song and then he'd go back to talking about stuff and i mean it was it, it was great fun man we had a, we had a great time and it was great to see like all my guys from north central that were there so yeah. we had a lot of fun well we're all going coming up i think march the 24th is the date for the legacy tour fest which is new edition guy and keith sweat at Gambridge Fieldhouse. We're all going for that. <laughs> all right. All of us. It's yeah. our prerogative. Yeah, I, I've already got it on the calendar. I hear you and Wells talk about it every Friday. Um, Jake, we've done this for, what, you know, a little bit over a year now. You think it's the first guest that's ever announced that they were rubbing oils on their body yes. at 8 o'clock? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what else I'm doing? In, I mean, I'm doing a lot in here, too. Yeah. I've, I, I'm Jeez. lucky. Easy I, now. The, the state of Michigan sucks really bad, and I hate it. But I have some friends up there, and they will occasionally bring down some stuff because they don't want to see me in pain. They don't want to see my jump shot broken because of the pain. So we're just uh, testing and trialing things out. I got uh, something. I don't know if you can buy it here. It's called CBD Eucalyptus Mint. Mm. Cooling body balm with CBD from hemp. Uh, that's what I'm rubbing Yeah, you right can buy now. CBD here. You're going you're gonna to know, I don't know if this is like more powerful than Delta 88 or what, but you can smell me coming, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, if that doesn't rip the nets, I think you're screwed today. You can smell me coming. It's not like the average Green County person either, because you can smell them coming too, <laughs> just in a different way. But you can smell me, you can smell me coming a mile away with this stuff. Yeah, right? usually as soon as you hit 37, you can smell Green County yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, there it is. But uh, so yeah, I'm going to give this a try and, and see what happens. But, fellas, man, thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate you bet. it. I'm really sad I don't have a show today. So tomorrow at 3, you'll be back, right? Tomorrow at 3, I'm going to be back, and we'll have a, uh, a fantastic week. And I, I mentioned uh, Grace Berger, uh, whom I have a great deal of respect. I love watching Grace Berger play back from that injury uh, in that Las Vegas fiasco on that floor in the ballroom. And Grace, I think, is coming on with us tomorrow as well. And then we'll continue to follow a lot of the uh, local stories of Colts and Pacers' interest as well. Fellas, continue to do a great job with you guys and Mark in that studio and keeping us informed. Does everybody know how lucky we are? Does Indy know? Do we are. Know? We are extremely lucky. You guys are so lucky. I mean, it is, Indy is so lucky to have you guys. Wow. It's incredible. Seriously. <laughs> We're, yeah, I was going to say, the oils are talking, talking now. Talking. Can we, can we, can we clip that out for a promo? That's right. Hey, man. And then I come on at 3 Are you smelling the CBD <laughs> oils as well? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> it's the eucalyptus. Yeah. Heavy heavy scent right here, fellas. What I'm doing. Shoot it well today, guys? John. <laughs> SJMV right there. Do you know why? The liquors you know why I wasn't koalas, happy about how he shot it yesterday morning at Southport. Do you know why koalas sleep 23 hours a day? Is this going to be a joke? Or no, is this I'm a... being totally serious. Mark, do you know? I 
Sorry, I was talking to John. What? Do you know why koalas sleep 23 hours a day? I think that was a wordle the no. other day, by the way. It was a wordle. That's correct. Koalas sleep 23 hours a day because while John is putting the eucalyptus on him, um, the only thing that the koala digestive system can actually break down is eucalyptus leaves, which has not only an oil in it that causes them to sedate, but also it does not have enough caloric intake for them to have the energy to be able to do things more than like one hour a day. I feel like it's kind of like Jake. <laughs> John, John, John is rubbing eucalyptus on him, and I'm just eating it, and then going back oh, to sleep. I, I right? didn't need that image in my head. Boy, ten seventeen, Jake will be in REM 20, sleep today. Twenty-one hours a day, I'm asleep. That's Bob right. Kravitz, nine o'clock. Field yatspn.com. Again, for those that missed it, no JMV today. Two o'clock, our coverage begins. Pacers and Bucks. So that's why you heard John. On with us, abbreviated noon to three show coming up. But for now, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's been quite the entertaining wildcard weekend so far. We still got one game tonight. That's an 8-15 kick from Tampa. Dallas, a road favorite in that one. So far, we have only seen one road team win. That would be the Giants, 31-24 yesterday over the Vikings. Jake, what we've gotten so far is pretty much high-scoring games and the underdogs competing in those games, even though the home teams have won all but one. Outside of Jags-Chargers, the most entertaining game you've seen? Boy, that's a good question. Probably Cincinnati-Baltimore last night, right? Just because of the the unbelievable play. I mean, how often do you see that, right? Where you're on the doorstep, you fumble, and there's a 99-and-a-half-yard, basically 100-yard touchdown return that swung the game. I, I mean, Baltimore scores that. Does it 24-17 in this Baltimore moving on? Uh, How I about Miami Buffalo? A great game. Miami Buffalo was also. Hey, credit to Miami. I, even though Miami completely screwed up at the end there with the delay game, but to hang around the way they did, give them credit there. Speaking of oils, it looked like Mike McDaniel had a little hit of something on the sideline there. Yeah, yeah was he that. vaping? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anything to get your team in the game, I guess. <laughs> When you're on your third-string quarterback and he's a rookie, desperate times call for desperate measures there. Um, so, again, tonight it'll be Dallas and Tampa looking ahead to next weekend's game. The Saturday slate will begin in Arrowhead. That will be Trevor Lawrence heading to take on Patrick Mahomes. That is a 4:30 kick, 8:15 Saturday night. It is an old-fashioned NFC East. Giants at Eagles. The you Eagles a touchdown favorite. Kudos and credit to Daniel Jones, speaking no. of the Giants, right? And, like, how college are they? I mean, they run Daniel Jones like he's. I know, like it's Army or I mean, Navy. He's a nice player, and like they, you know, there was some criticism when they drafted him where they did, and it looked like that was not going to pan out. But they've been patient with him, and he has really turned it on here in the latter half of this Boy, year. Boy, Brian Dable, a hell of a hire there. What was that fourth and eight call by the Vikings? By the way, what on earth? Yeah, the yeah. old check down three, to TJ Hawkinson. Three yard pass. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. Don't know what Kirk Cousins was thinking there. Uh, Bills Bengals on Sunday at three o'clock. And then the winner of tonight, that's Dallas and Tampa Bay, will travel to San Francisco Sunday evening. Uh, Pacers in action at Milwaukee. That is a 2.30 tip this afternoon on Dr. Martin Luther King Day. In basketball, that's not the only contest that's taking place at 2.30 of local interest. Purdue at Michigan State, also a 2.30 tip. I assume you can do it, Jake, but Matt Painter joins who in the 400-win club in Big Ten history? Ooh, how many guesses do I get here? Oh, I thought this would be a layup for you, given you Big Ten history. Uh, uh, so would... he's one of five. Okay. 
I, I, I think you'll be kicking yourself if you don't layup, I would Lou say. Henson. Lou Henson? Oh, you, you're asking me to name all of them? Yeah, there's okay, five. Okay, so Knight, mm-hmm. Katie. Yep. Uh, Henson Izzo? Boom. Is that it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figured that would have been yeah. a layup for you. I, were you surprised that Painter's already at 400? You know, no, because when you really step back and look at it, you realize he's been there a while. I know. You almost forget how long Correct. that he has been there. Uh, important one for Purdue today. Obviously, on the road, Michigan State, you look at the Big Ten standings, if they're able to get this one, um, they're able to build a little bit of room between the rest of the conference. So a four, I th- saw it opened at four and a half. I think it's down to three Purdue favored over Michigan State. I don't State. really think that. Yep, that wasn't it. What are we doing there, Mark? I think that was a little... Premature Trey Jackson Davis. Well, premature pre- Trey well, Jackson Davis. Can we go there? Uh, on the sure. defensive end of the floor, outstanding by Indiana on Saturday. Much needed. They held Wisconsin to 20 points in the first half. They only scored 21. Big run to start the second half, though. I mean, pretty much put the game away. Uh, here was Trey Jackson Davis afterwards on a much, much needed performance. I don't really think that we overhelped, honestly. I think that we just weren't in our right spots to begin with. And so when you're not in your right spots and you're running in and then back out, then it hurts you because you can't get out quick enough. And so when we're in our right spots and we do the defense right, and which we've been preaching this whole time is nail slot rim, and you're in your spot in to get out, it's a lot different. That's what you saw today. In other words, they don't overhelp, they under-rotate. I'm just giving you that as my basketball acumen. Jordan Geronimo was big for IU on Saturday, 12-11 and 11 for him. Uh, Jay Wright on the call was pretty much like, boy, it seemed like they practiced three hours yesterday and it was all on the defensive end of the floor. So again, 63-45 for the Hoosiers there. So you mentioned it a little bit earlier, the Pacers in action. That is a 2-30 tip coming up. Against the Bucks, they've lost. Indiana's lost three in a row. Um, they have not had a four-game losing streak all year long. Is it Aaron Neesmith on the Giannis assignment? Oh boy! I mean, outside of prayer. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But no. and Neesmith is a very good wing defender, but he's obviously I mean, he's undersized. Giving up five Giannis, inches yeah. or something on him. Pacers have lost eight straight in this series. Twelve of thirteen. Miles My- Turner is questionable. It's a four-game road trip for Indiana this week. Uh, They've got the Thunder, and then I want to say it's Denver and Phoenix. Uh, I believe it's Disney on Ice over at GameBridge this weekend. Oh, really? Correct, yep. Oh, Mark, you you sound like you're going to make at least one appearance there. No, I have no tickets yet for that, but I'm sure the daughters would be interested. It's never been go going. Do they still do ice capades, or has that been replaced by Disney on Ice? Is it basically the same thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any ice capades anymore. Yeah, I can't say I'm totally up to date on that. When do I start getting nervous about 30 wins, by the way? If I could be uh, selfish for a second. Yeah, you're, you're made in the shade right now. By the way, the PBR party starting to come together, just so everybody knows. We'll see what happens. But I, Yeah, you already sent me a Venmo request for the I've, bill. I've had some requests, or I've had some, some contacts from people. Well, you owe but me a six-pack, so PBR send one party. of those this way. I did we did we wager? I, I thought, thought we did. You said you wanted draft, which is fine, but you didn't win anyway, so it doesn't but, matter. But I thought didn't you go Bucks and Mark went Tampa or uh, Mark went Dallas? No, I thought tonight no, no. mattered. The wager Reverse was it. this: the wager was you had said over under road teams to win in the wild card round at two and a half, and I took the over, which obviously can now not happen. What I needed was. I thought the Chargers were going to win in Jacksonville. So the three that I thought the three road teams I thought were going to win were the Chargers, 
the Giants, and the Cowboys. So even if the Cowboys win tonight, I can't win the bet. So Mark has claimed yeah. victory. My road teams were Jaguars, Giants. I mean, Chargers, Giants. Brandon Staley fired by noon today, or is he good? I, wouldn't it have happened by noon yesterday? Yeah, it's a good point. One thing to note on the Pacers, again, no Halliburton right now. Andrew Nemhard over the weekend, 4 of 25. The, three of twelve from three. The coach that I would have ex- that I would expect could have put himself in jeopardy over the weekends in Miami, but we'll see. What about tonight? Um, Mike McCarthy coaching for his job. I, Mark thinks so, right? Yep, I sure do. Is Todd Bowles or no? Get your damn act together. I don't know about Todd Bowles. I mean, I, I haven't been impressed with his. So this is not a loser. Loser gets fired. No. Head coach opening. Mm-mm. Usually we get one team that plays on wild card weekend that the job opens up. Which is so crazy, will that be the Chargers? Right? You're in the postseason will that and you're be moving on? That's how the Titans got Mike Vrabel. They actually won on wild card weekend. They won at Kansas City with Mike Malarkey, fired Malarkey, and hired. Loser leaves town Mike would be a lot Vrabel. more interesting stipulation for the NFL playoffs. <laughs> it's like a Vince McMahon WWE seat. How great would that be if Joe Buck and Troy Aikman lead off of that? Yeah. All right, tonight here, the winner the- goes to San Francisco, and the loser actually is done. Hey, the, well, the, these balls are getting <laughs> We'll see if Aikman goes there, considering like, the Dallas, like this program. Dallas connections. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kevin Aquari coming back. Bob Kravitz in about 20. So I think I... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I asked you this earlier, Kevin. Bob Kravitz coming up, by the way, top of the hour. Field Yates in the 9 o'clock hour as well on Dr. Martin Luther King Day. Good morning to all of you. I saw a a post, and, and I don't know. It, it, you never know with, especially with the NFL, sometimes on Twitter in particular, there are different accounts that have the NFL and the shield in it, and you don't know. like wait, The shield. Second. Well, you know what I mean, the logo, right? Yeah. And you're like, is this a real NFL account? or? But I saw some post that said, the, for lack of a better phrase, the GPS chip in the football in the Baltimore-Cincinnati game claimed that Hunley had the ball, you know, it was within like less than a foot of the goal line when he lost it. And literally everyone's reaction is, wait a minute, they have a chip in the football? Like, why are we debating, like, fourth downs and third and long? Bring out the chain gang. Yeah, like, so I, and I don't know, is that, is that true? I, I was not aware of a chip in a football. I was going to say, I. Seems like something we need to incorporate, but yeah, I was not aware of that. Um, some of the bigger news of the day we'll be mon- monitoring is C.J. Stroud. Will he declare for the 2023 NFL Draft? Jake, it seems to be like, I don't know if foregone conclusion is right, but I think we just were kind of under the assumption he would declare. Colts fans, I think if we did a poll right now, who do you want to see the Colts draft? Don't you guys think it'd be overwhelming C.J. Stroud would be the answer to that? Yes. This from... Um, an Ohio State beat writer, Kyle Rowland, he retweeted um, basically the president of Ohio State's most popular NIL collective. 
So again, that's where a lot of this money is coming from, an NIL standpoint. And that person tweeted, got some big news today, dot, dot, dot. 24 minutes ago. So I think if you look at that, you look at Ohio State's football account, their official Twitter account, you look at Marvin Harrison Jr.'s tweets, there's like a lot of insinuation that C.J. Stroud could indeed return to Ohio State. And what you think of C.J. Stroud maybe is not the bigger issue here. I mean, it certainly is at play, but... If this, if this all of a sudden happens and he returns, that theoretically puts Bryce Young as the clear top quarterback in this class. And what that does, it means the Houston Texans have got to trade up to number one overall, you would think, or else the Chicago Bears can just say, all right, who wants the best quarterback? And then who wants to take a chance on Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Hendon Hooker? Bryce Young is slightly undersized, correct? Yeah, I think you talk some NFL people, they would say very undersized. The only hesitation that I would have about Bryce Young is at his undersize, how much of that is offset by the fact that he is throwing to receivers in Alabama that are getting clear separation and thus he doesn't have to necessarily look over and navigate like tight windows and things like that. And is that going to be an adjustment for him at the, at the professional level? It's a fair point. Um, one thing to note on C.J. Stroud, Jake, the signing bonuses for the number one pick, $24 million. Signing bonus if you're the fifth pick, $19 million. I mean, there's no way the NIL Collective is producing that type of money for him, right? I, who knows, man? It's a wild, wild west now, right? I mean, that would be wild. Now, I did talk to somebody pretty close to Ohio State a couple of weeks ago that said that with the incoming recruiting class, they felt like they actually might lose or get some, you know, flips, as they call it, that go to other schools because Ohio State was behind where they wanted to be with NIL. I thought Ryan Day mentioned that. Yeah. So, who knows? You know, I think something. You brought up Bryce Young and his height. Jake, remember around the draft, you were like, what is this RAS acronym? Remember that? It was like Chris Ballard. Every player he's drafted has a high RAS. Right. RAS. Do you remember what it stood for? It was like raw, athletic, something or other. Basically, it means where you are on the height, weight, speed, athleticism scale. Like, are you a great track athlete? It is probably a big indicator of that. Chris Ballard, like, clearly that matters to him. He drafts very high-end athletes. He is of the belief that we are not drafting exceptions to the rule. I, I don't want to go down that path. Right. I don't want to be the one that takes risks on the exception to the rule. If he's that way, a quarterback then he's going to be much more enamored with Will Levis than he is Bryce Young. Well, there are reports that he is enamored with Will Levis, right? So that's a question I think we have to ask ourselves over the next couple of months. Does quarterback apply to all the other positions in Chris Ballard's eyes? Because if you had the Bryce Young equivalent at linebacker and you had the Will Levis 
equivalent linebacker, he's drafting Will Levis 10 right. times out of 10. Right. Well, Will Levis has Josh Allen-type feel to him, right? And a lot of people feel like Levis is extremely coachable and a strong leader. Not that Bryce Young isn't, but like those are obviously traits that Ballard holds into high regard as well. So I know there might be some fans out there that that's a little scary to think about because they are extremely turned off by Will Levis for just the lack of production he had in college. But if Ballard looks at quarterback like he looks at the other positions on a roster, 1,000%, he would be more into Will Levis than he would Bryce Young. And by the way, for those that are listening and are tempted to uh, send it to me on Twitter, I am aware of the fact that Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee. So I... And the other thing is, uh, isn't there a video of him eating a banana without peeling it? (laughs) Rosie has tried that a couple times and has gotten, you know, a couple bites into the old peel. How long would it take? I mean, I'm sure you can eat a banana peel, but how long would that take? It's a great question. You think chestnuts ever attempted that? That's a good question also. You know that you supposedly can eat the pit of an avocado? It's supposed to be loaded with vitamin E, but I'm like, how would you eat it? No, no way. No way. I'm just picturing that sitting in your body for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Uh, Bob Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Travis joins us in about 10. This song was one of those that was played in the Vogue Friday night with Too Short. And the Vogue is a fabulous venue. If Love you, the Vogue. It is great. If you if there's an artist that you see and you see that they're playing at the Vogue, it's a great place to see a show. Honestly, Jake, once every couple months, I just go to the Vogue calendar and look at what's upcoming just because I feel like there are these sneaky acts. Totally. That I, I couldn't believe. I was like... Because you had no idea until you were at the Pacer game, you said? We were leaving the Pacer game. I was like, we're walking out, and I just I see a text that says, too short. And, and I said to Steven, I'm like, that can't be actually too short, right? I mean, it's got to be some sort of a tribute or something. And I looked it up, I'm like, holy cow, it really is too short. So we went straight there, waited in line, uh, was sold out, made a few phone calls, and then... Uh, very thankfully and very appreciatively, we got in, and it was uh, fabulous. It was just a super cool and fun evening, and there are a few places in Indianapolis, to me, that just are more fun and from a nostalgic standpoint and everything else than the Vogue. I love the Vogue. I know this wasn't that night, but the next night, John Moran inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. See the most exciting player in the NBA? Yes. Because that the dunk he had... The elevation that he got, and it, you know, the amount as far back as he cocked the basketball, I, you know, that that has the potential at any given moment to happen, right? He had a couple blocks that I was like, "How is he? His head is above the rim." And the story, you know, of him at Murray State, and you know, what Memphis was able to do from a draft standpoint. I know there's been a lot of comparisons, of course, to, you know, boy, can Indiana replicate what Memphis did? Who's your Morant? I mean, we love Tyrese Halliburton. I love Benedict Matherin, but Morant's at a different level. Yeah. You know, Steph Curry is, in terms of 
you know, how many players are there in the NBA that people go out of their way to make sure that they buy a ticket for that player? The reaction from the crowd throughout Saturday night, I would put right up there with Steph from a visiting player in a home building. I don't know even that the Pacers, who they're going to see today, and Giannis, I don't know that Giannis is at that level. I mean, Giannis is, is, he may be the the best player all around in the league, but I mean, you know, Joel Embiid is, is, is obviously a unicorn as well, but... Curry, LeBron, obviously, probably Durant and John Morant just have that like extra energy about it. Well, Ja is still relatively new to, I would say, the All NBA and then us because I believe entering Saturday night, like the fewest games Ja Morant has played against any opponent in the NBA had been the Pacers, just based off kind of luck and injuries. And he hadn't, I think he only played three games in his career against Indiana. Of course, he had a COVID season. In there, um, so you know. Here is John Morant's rivals. Not to take, com take LeBron for granted, but we've seen him. Evaluation class of 2017, Sumter, South Carolina. He played AAU ball, by the way, with Zion Williamson. Um, he was listed as uh, no rating, no national, no state. Schools of interest: Murray State. That was it. That's unbelievable. I mean, literally five years ago, like no one had heard of this guy. And here he is. That's a that is a lesson for a lot of kids, right? You know, it's when you look at kind of the stars in the NBA, it's interesting how you know, you, you point to several of them and it's not like they are Kentucky Duke Kansas products. I mean, obviously, you have the international flair. Last year, one, two, and three in the MVP ballot were all international, and Giannis, Jokic, and Joel Embiid, of course, Embiid going to Kansas. But, you know, like a Damian Lillard type, you know, who's a much different player. I mean, back when he was at Weber State, he did have a ton of athleticism. I don't think you know, he's not doing what John Moran's doing, but yeah, that was uh, that was impressive to watch. Pacers actually had a lead in the second second quarter on Sunday, and then all of a sudden, Morant, or on Saturday, Morant got back in the game. And that quickly changed. Pacers and Bucks, 2 o'clock today, our coverage right here on The Fan. Again, no JMV today. We had him on earlier, so if you want to check that out on the podcast, that will be available. Purdue and Michigan State at 2.30 today. Um, Fletcher Lawyer was outstanding for Purdue on Friday night. You're kind of waiting for him to kind of have one of those flamethrower-type nights, and he did as Purdue beat Nebraska there. You forget he's a freshman, right? Yeah. And he shot it fine, and he's played really well, but... You know, you're kind of waiting for him to have like the five or six three night because you know that he can do that, and he did that on Friday. So important one today for Purdue within the Big Ten standings. Coming up next, Bob Kravitz joins us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nine o'clock hour here. Bob Kravitz going to join us right now. Uh, Field Yates get a little bit more of a big picture view on the NFL, not only playoff wise, but the head coaching search and how that indie job is viewed around the league. That's coming up at nine thirty. But again, Bob joins us right now on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Bob, I want to begin with what I thought was a really outstanding piece you had 
on Tyrese Halliburton up on the athletic site for those that missed it. I get that words are words, and we're still probably in a bit of a honeymoon stage, but I, if you're a Pacers fan, you've got to be not only encouraged by what he's done on the floor, but he certainly acts like a guy that wants to be here. He really does. you know. And I, I told him, I said, look, I'm not asking you to make any kind of commitment. I understand that uh, that uh, it's a business and things change. But, um, you know, as, as things stand now, you know, how do you feel about your long-term prospects in, in Indianapolis? And he, he, he went for it. He, he's really enjoying it. His uh, girlfriend is here. His mom is living here. Um, he, he's settled in. And uh, everything he says and does uh, tells me that he wants to be a long-termer here in Indianapolis. And now it's really the responsibility of Kevin Pritchard and those guys to surround him with the kind of players that he needs to, to lead them to, you know, to the playoffs uh, down the road, if not this year, and get them to a chance, give them a chance to compete for a title. You know, for Kevin Pritchard, Bob, there has to be, and, and I guess understandably so if there, if there is, but I would think that you've got to continue with Tyrese Halliburton in such a way that, like, you want to build and facilitate for him, but you also have to have your eye on a backup plan in case he changes his mind or throws a curveball at you. Because if you're Kevin Pritchard, would there not be some PTSD over the Victor Oladipo and Paul George situations? I don't think so in this case, at least not yet, because... You know, he'll be a, a, a restricted free agent at the end of next year, and then, you know, then we've got him for a couple more years before it becomes a... a, a, uh, a well, he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of next year and uh, unrestricted down the road. So I don't think you have to worry about that just yet. I think what you've got to do is, you know, surround him with the right kind of people and uh, make sure that he's given every every opportunity to win, uh, win at the level they want to win at. Okay, Bob Kravitz is with us here from The Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, we're a week into the Colts head coaching search. Seven interviews so far. Three on offense, yeah. three on defense. Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. Assuming Jeff Saturday joins that bunch, that'll be eight. Uh, will Jim Harbaugh be on that list? I think I think at some point. Um, you know, I, I saw a, I, I think it was... Uh, a video or something from Tom Pelissero saying that uh, at this point uh, Harbaugh wants to give Saturday every opportunity uh, to interview, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to kind of interrupt or up, you know, upbraid him. You know, that's the wrong word. He didn't want to uh, get in the way of um, Saturday. I wish he would, but um, I, I think eventually they're going to have to force him to say no. And I, I, I see things on the internet, how much is true and how much is not true, I don't know. But he seems to be interested in the indie job. Um, so I think before all is said and done, they will talk to him. But at this point, they're kind of going through the process. They are uh, certainly uh, talking to a lot of good candidates uh, who happen to be black. Um, so the, the, the Rooney rule has been complied with, is my understanding. You know, from, from, the, from what I'm hearing, uh, Raheem Morris was very impressive. And that doesn't surprise me because this is a guy who was a, a head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
when he was in his mid-30s and had some success. They had one good year uh, out of two and a half. He didn't get much time in Tampa to get things turned around. So we'll see where that goes. Bob, Morris is a guy that, you know, I had said this earlier, and give me your thoughts on this. I kind of feel like that Jeff Saturday is the clubhouse leader because Jim Irsay really, really likes him, and that's only if Jim Harbaugh is does not express an interest. If Jim Harbaugh wants that job, I think it's his job. I agree. But sparing that, then I think Jim Irsay basically has said to Chris Ballard, not literally, but in a figurative sense, to Chris Ballard, like, you conduct a bunch of interviews and make sure that no one completely blows you away. And unless some, unless you are completely blown away, then Jeff Saturday's my guy. Unless Jim Harbaugh calls, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's probably some truth to that. Um, you know, the thing with um, with Raheem, like I say, I, I like guys who've been head coaches before. I like guys who've made their mistakes and have learned. You know, look, look at Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, you, you go throughout the playoffs. You, you got some guys. We're second timers, and I, I like that. I like guys who've been humbled a little bit, uh, who are hungry, who want a second chance at, at the ring. And I, I think Raheem would be interesting. Um, the only thing is, he's not an offensive coach. And if you're going to go out, you're going to get yourself your, your franchise quarterback, presumably, unless Chris Ballard's completely nuts. Um, you go out, you know, you're going to want either a great offensive coordinator, you're going to want a head coach who uh, is offensively uh, inclined. So that would be my only concern. Yeah, Raheem Morris, head coach in Tampa at the age of 32, um, now 46 years old. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Of course, Sean McVay going back to the Rams. So that opening no longer there, potentially for Raheem Morris. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, one one more for me on the head coaching front. We had JMV on earlier. I threw this question at him, so I will toss it your way. Um, if I gave you the ne- next Colts head coach will be Jeff Saturday or Jim Harbaugh or the field, who would you take right now? I still think they're going to make Jim Harbaugh say no. And I still think that Jim Harbaugh does have some interest. I talked with somebody who's close to him, said he is, he is interested uh, in getting back into the league. Uh, as the as the athletic and everybody else has reported, um, you know, you, I'm reading these ridiculous things out of Michigan about how much he, him professing his love for Michigan while he's talking with, you know, various organizations. Um, you know, but I think we're going to find out just where the Colts stand as far as, you know, how good a job is it really? I mean, you got a front office that's a little bit of a mess. you got no quarterback. Uh, you got some aging guys on defense. So we'll find out if this is really a good job. I get the feeling, Bob, that if Jim Harbaugh didn't have a connection to the Indianapolis Colts, that this discussion is not even taking place, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look, look at Matt, look at the Sean Payton. I mean, Payton, uh, with his background, he's made it very clear he doesn't want to go anywhere where there's been front office dysfunction. And God knows uh, the Colts have been the, have been beacons of misfunction all season long. 
Did the Colts have Bob this last year? And this is such a, a Bob Kravitz, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, of course, with the Athletic. I, this is such a cliched term that I'm almost embarrassed to use it, but I think it's applicable here. In terms of the locker room in the season that just ended, did the Colts have a culture problem? In other words, yes. Did yeah, they have? Yeah, a, I, I, yeah. Did they have guys that were too immature? I don't know if it was immature. I, I think there's a lot of guys who are out for themselves. I think I, I just don't. I think there are a lot of guys who are trying to do things for themselves. They didn't have the team's best interest at heart. It was uh, interesting watching the game yesterday. One of the games. Uh, I think Josh Allen got into it with somebody, and a big old offensive lineman came over and tried to uh, quell that uprising. And I thought, that's the way you defend a quarterback. So, you know, and this, I wonder if this goes back even to after the Arizona game when they won on Christmas and they started to expect to win because they had all this talent. I don't really know, but I, you know, talking with uh, DeForest Buckner, I guess uh, Zach Kiefer talked to Buckner. He talked about we're going to have guys who are, who are, you know, really dedicated next year, which tells me he didn't feel that he had those guys this year. So, yeah, I think the culture was a, a little bit broken. And quite frankly, it's nothing that a good young quarterback can't fix. Speaking of that, could you see Jim Mersey demanding the drafting of a quarterback with that fourth overall pick and or trade up? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. And, you know, today's going to be an interesting day, guys. I mean, C.J. Stroud is going to decide whether he wants to uh, come out or not. I guess uh, Ohio State is setting up a huge NIL deal for him to remain. If he decides to go back to Ohio State, you may as well start printing up the Will Levis jerseys here in Indianapolis because that's he's got to be the guy, I would think. So you uh, think Bryce Young would go one and I'm Houston five. would trade up? I'm not certain he, Levis isn't the guy regardless from the Colts' well, standpoint. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been some crazy rumors from sources that I wouldn't trust as far as I can throw them. Um, you know, that he's, he's the number one guy. I still think Bryce Young is number one. Now Levis is going to be very impressive in, in the combine, so that may it may change things. But I, I'm not sure. But um, clearly, they're going to get one of those two guys, and I think it's probably going to be uh, Will Levis. Okay, Bob Kravitz with us here from the Athletic. Bob, last one from me. Um, I don't think we've spoken since the report came out, maybe a little bit over a week ago, that Miles Turner had in his camp had you know, turned down maybe the initial contract extension offer from the Pacers. Still have a couple of more weeks to go right. um, until the trade deadline. Since that report, obviously Turner's missed a few games due to back spasms. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out for multiple weeks due to his knee and elbow injuries. Uh, where do you think things stand on the Turner extension front and how will that or how should that impact the trade deadline? Well, I, I've, I've felt all along that he was a goner. Now, the fact that he is willing to sit and listen, or at least his agent, is willing to uh, to talk about this, to me suggests that there's been a change of heart. Uh, and why not? You're playing great basketball. Uh, the atmosphere has been terrific at Gainsbridge. Gainbridge, you're you're playing with Tyrese Halliburton, who's getting you the ball. You don't have to worry about some bonus. So I think circumstances changed quite a bit, um, and 
I do think he wants back. But I think in the end, I think in the end, and I can, this is a total guess, that he's going to get moved. They're going to get future assets, and they're going to go from there. And, and whether that hurts them in their efforts to reach the playoffs, I don't care. You know what I mean? I, 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 lo- I love what this team is doing, and I hope for them they reach the playoffs. But in the big picture, if you lose Miles and for some reason you don't make the playoffs and you get in the Wambanyama sweepstakes, it's not such a bad thing. Bob, before we let you go, I want to circle back to one other question about the Colts. And for those that are unaware, Bob Kravitz, you know, in my opinion, Bob, you probably have had the closest professional relationship with Jim Irsay over the years of anybody within the market that covers the Colts. Do you believe that this year's problems are partially due to an overstep or an overreach of Jim Irsay? I realize he's the owner, but did he, so two part question, did he get too involved? And if he did, do you believe that he is aware of that? Uh, first of all, clearly he meddled. Clearly he got involved in ways that he never has before. I mean, mandating that that Sam Ellinger play early in the season was was Jim Irsay production. Uh, is he aware of it? I don't think so. And look, people ask me all the time, is Jim okay? Um, Jim seems just fine to me. Uh, I've known him for a long time. I know when he's not in in a good place. He is in a good place right now. Uh, That said, for whatever reason, he's on this weird power trip where he wants to be the face of the franchise. And he is usurping um, the, uh, the power from Ballard. I think he's emasculating Ballard in, Ballard in many ways. So I think he's very much aware of what he's doing, uh, he, which is maybe the scariest thing of all. I still maintain, Bob, when people talk about the quote-unquote golden years for the Indianapolis Colts, they refer to it as the Manning-Pullian years. And I think he is hell-bent on eventually getting the Ursay years. There may be some truth to that. There may be some truth to that. I've had people suggest that he, this is part of some grand plan, that he's smart as a fox, crazy as a fox, that he wanted to get the, you know, a top five draft pick. I just, I, I see him, yeah, he's quirky, he's eccentric, but I see him viewing himself as a Rooney or a Mara or one of the old school family owners and I just don't think he would mess with the integrity of the game in, the, in, that, in that way. I, I just don't. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I think he thought he was just crazy enough to think this could work, and clearly it did not. And now they're in a really a pretty decent situation. We just got to watch and see what the C.J. Stroud does today. Yeah, he went from talking about Matt Ryan for four to five years to winning Matt Ryan benched after like four to five quarters. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and look, Matt Ryan, you know, he's not without fault here. Sure, I mean, Matt sure. Ryan was god-awful. I mean, worse than – I wrote he was significantly worse than Carson Wentz and the city went crazy 
But then if you put their stats up side by side, it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot behind that. Again, Bob's uh, one of Bob's latest pieces on Tyrese Halliburton, a really, really good read. Nice work on that, Bob, and uh, thank you, as always, for the time. Okay, appreciate you. That's Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Raheem Morris, Jake. Again, I've mentioned this a few times. Um, I like Raheem Morris. He was talking with somebody that's coached for now a couple decades in the league, multiple stops as I've never been around a coach that can combine great, great coach, great human being. Guys just love playing for him. And, you know, the the, the Tampa Bay resume, he was 17 and 31 there. I mean, he was also 32 years old. Right. He's 46 now, to Bob's point, and this would go for any defensive hire. The big question you would have is what are you doing offensively? I think if you want to look at it glass half full, what you would do offensively, Raheem Morris's career, he has been around the Shanahan family and then Sean McVay for the last few years. You want to be around offensive minds? And he actually was an offensive assistant at one point in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan on staff there. Those are pretty good offensive people to be around. Do you feel, you know, how important is it for a coach? To have to, or to have the opportunity or the autonomy to bring in all of his own staff and people that he knows, as opposed to, in other words, you would assume whoever gets the job is going to bring in all new staff around him, right? Oh yeah, I mean they might interview a couple of the Colts assistants, but yeah. Does do you believe last year, once Frank Reich was gone, that everybody was working cohesively with one another, or could that have been part of the issue? Yeah, I, I think so much of it is rooted in personnel. More than coaching staff. Well, I agree with that too. But but I'm saying, like, I know I've given the analogy before that when I was a, I'm such a bad comparison, but when I was a, a freshman pledge from my fraternity at University of Kansas and we got there six weeks before school started and we having to work every day at six in the morning and do all the stupid stuff you got to do as a pledge. And then right at the start of the school year, we had two guys that joined our pledge class and the rest of us were like, well, who are these guys? Like they haven't been here in the trenches with us for six weeks. We were getting up at six in the morning and brassoing doorknobs every morning. And then all of a sudden they just come in and they want to be part of the team. And there was like this resentment. When you make a coaching change in the middle of the year and you bring in an interim coach that none of the rest of the staff has worked with, is it possible that you then get everybody just going in their own direction because they're like, well, who's this guy? I mean, for the most part, the defense still hung in there for about a month. The special teams unit was still really good. I I don't know if there was some massive division with the coaching staff. Again, I think more of it was personnel. I think more of it was um, from a player roster standpoint. Uh, again, Field Yates going to join us here in about 10 minutes. Um, you see him on ESPN. Always enjoy when he hops on with us. So uh, it be fun to catch up with him. Mark, you said we had a caller about CJ Stroud? So, yeah, Matt called while we were on with Kravitz, and uh, he couldn't stay on, but he wanted me to pass this along and get your guys' thoughts. Do you think CJ Stroud, being an Ohio State quarterback, would not want to play for a Michigan coach like Jim Harbaugh? Would the, would the rivalry go that deep? Fans care about that. Players don't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I did see there was a report out there that I believe C.J. Stroud shares the same agency as Deshaun Watson, and there were some questions about the interest in the Houston Texans. Um, I would put more stock into that than I would yeah. Michigan-Ohio State. 
tend to agree. Yeah, I mean, but but the whole this is going to be this is a huge storyline for the Colts. Huge. Even if the Colts didn't love C.J. Stroud or don't love him, the fact that you are possibly removing a tier one quarterback from this draft class and that could only leave Bryce Young there, is going to increase the value, not only for Bryce Young, but for Will Levis, whoever else you put on that quarterback list. So we'll continue to watch it. Again, today is the deadline for underclassmen to declare for the 2023 NFL Draft. And as of right now, C.J. Stroud has not declared, and there seems to be some momentum building about him returning to Ohio State. And as a Notre Dame fan that will see Ohio State and Marvin Harrison Jr. in the stadium next year, I don't love that. (laughs) Yeah. Just go. It's Ohio State, man. They'll just put another just put another five-star in there, right? I know. You're probably right. All right, morning checkdown time. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, so Mark tells me this has to be a condensed morning checkdown. Is that right? I think we've got a few minutes, right? Yeah, yeah we have not to be super on. short. but All right, we'll begin with this. Pacers in Milwaukee, 2.30 today. That game, our friend Naptown Seth is driving up to Milwaukee right now. Oof. So we say good morning and drive safely. He's probably around the wind farms uh, about they right now. They might need him to guard Giannis. He could get on Aaron Neesmith's shoulders, right? Sure. He's got the spiked hair. Nothing else has worked for the Pacers against the Bucks. Uh 2 o'clock, by the way, the pregame you can hear right here on this radio station tip at 2.30 today. Ten and a half is what I saw in the spread. For that one. Also at 2.30 today, the Boilermakers of Purdue, number three ranked. Uh, they got a win over Nebraska on Friday. They will head up to East Lansing to take on Tom Izzo's Michigan State Spartans. You know, something to watch in this one. Izzo, not usually a fan of doubling big guys. Zach Eady has commanded quite the amount of attention this season. Uh, be very curious to see how Izzo deals with that matchup. And for Purdue, this is a big one. If they're able to get this one on the road, they can create a little bit of separation. Uh, certainly for Michigan State and just in general from the Big Ten. So, uh, important road game for the Boilers coming up at 2.30. By the way, speaking of college basketball, UND in action tonight at 7.30. They won Thursday and Saturday. That's right. And um, I saw uh, Boiler Bill actually sent us a tweet that said that based on the interview that we had um, with the UND head coach last week, Paul Cassaro, that he said, you know what, I went down and watched him play great Style of basketball, enjoyed the game. Uh, so seven thirty tonight, nice. they are at Nickerson. High scoring bunch. So thank you to Boiler Bill for that one. Uh, college basketball notes also from the weekend. Butler beat Villanova up at Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, in Indiana. Get a got a much needed win in front of Spiro Ditas, Bill Rafferty, and Jay Wright on the call for CBS sixty three forty five Saturday afternoon. Did you enjoy Spiro doing the game? I, I, I thought Spiro's energy was terrific, uh, much better than Al Michaels and Tony Dungy on Saturday Boy, night. Tony Dungy. Oof, I love boy. Tony Dungy, but man, he just seemed bored. God, I thought they were reading Rosie a bedtime book. <laughs> the way that game was coming back and just the absolute opposite reaction, like it felt like they all took NyQuil. Like, who's well, going to fall asleep first? And Al then Michaels you're watching, so that Tony was NBC, mm-hmm. and you watch NBC last night with Tariqo and Collins. I mean, Tariqo was unbelievable in the 98-yard yeah. fumble return. I mean, right away, knew what was going on. Um, all of that, but uh, important defensive effort from the Hoosiers there. Uh, they are at Illinois coming up on Thursday. You know what happened? It was the Thursday night football schedule killed Al Michaels' spirit. That's what happened. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Broke him. And it was the Colts-Broncos game that put him over the top, right? <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. That was the one. That, 
That was the one. Uh, quickly, NFL playoff schedule again tonight. It'll be Dallas and Tampa Bay to round out Wild Card Weekend. So far, only one road team has advanced. That would be the Giants over the Vikings. We've had a lot of overs hit. A lot of underdogs have hung in there. Um, so looking ahead to next weekend, it'll be Jags at Chiefs. The early line on that one? Chiefs favored by nine. The nightcap on Saturday, Giants at Eagles, the early line for that one. Philly by a touchdown as those divisional teams meet for a third time this year. Sunday games at 3 o'clock, Bills favored by four over the Bengals. And then we'll await the final matchup. It'll be San Francisco hosting either Dallas or Tampa. And that will round out divisional round weekend coming up next week. All right, Field Yates, ESPN joins whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What's next? Yankees, one of our favorites. We've had him on a couple of times and grateful during a busy time of the NFL season slash offseason that he can make time for us on this Monday morning. He is Field Yates, NFL insider for ESPN co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Field, we're on C.J. Stroud Declaration Watch today here in Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, guys, good morning. Thanks for having me on. And it's funny, I figured that the idea of C.J. Stroud's name could come up when you're talking anything related to the Colts this time of the year. And I was going to try to not dance around it, but also be candid and say that I don't know whether this is real or not, but I, I, if you guys haven't already told your listeners... Uh, for those that are maybe just joining the program, it sounds like C.J. Stroud might return to Ohio State. There are less than 48 hours until he has to make a decision one way or the other. And if you're wondering how on earth is this possible, I have three letters for you. N-I-L. We'll see. I tend to think that these guys almost always will end up going to the pros because it's not like you are required to only make your rookie contract money. There are endorsements. There are professional NIL deals available to you. That being said, the allure of wanting to win a national championship at a place where you've had plenty of success might be appealing to C.J. Stroud for one more year. Field, in your opinion, you know C.J. Stroud is obviously a, an unbelievable talent. I mean, no question about it. And I know that there has always been discussion about quarterbacks that are playing at programs where they're throwing to dynamic receivers and how that might hurt in their translation into the NFL. But dynamic talent, seemingly one of the top three quarterbacks coming out if he were to come out this year, uh, maybe top four, where would you rank him or, or where would you slot if you had to guess they would rank one, two, three, and four. How in terms of teams coveting them? Yeah, I've actually been uh, trying to sort of reshape how I think about quarterback rankings uh, over the past few years because I think one thing that I'm really mindful of is that uh, first of all, I, I tell people that quarterbacks sometimes like house hunting. Just because five houses are on the market for the same price doesn't mean that five people are going to agree that house A is the best or B is the best, right? Like there's going to be some variance in opinion. It's just human nature. Uh, but for quarterbacks, I'm also mindful of the fact that what a quarterback is able to do is in part, and there are some exceptions, you know, Patrick Mahomes is an alien. I don't think Patrick Mahomes uh, could be dropped anywhere and not be an extremely successful quarterback. But a lot of these guys aren't Patrick Mahomes. And 
where they end up, I think, plays a significant role in just how capable they become at the NFL level. So I almost look at it as like an average. So like if I were to pull 32 NFL teams and they were to stack the top quarterbacks, one through four, who do I think would have the highest average ranking? And my belief would be the answer would be Bryce Young from Alabama, who, of course, Heisman a year ago and led them to the national championship appearance. Like He's been exceptional, obviously, during his time with the Crimson Tide. Uh, the big question marks of Bryce Young, really the big question mark is his size. Is he is diminutive in stature. There's no two ways about that. Uh, and then I think C.J. Stroud would probably be number two. C.J.'s got a more sort of quote-unquote prototypical college quarterback, or excuse me, professional quarterback build. He's got some good athletes. He's not, not, not an elite athlete. He's not Justin Fields, the guy that succeeded him or preceded him at Ohio State but still a very good athlete. So my guess would be that he would slot in on average as the number two quarterbacks on boards. And then I think it really becomes beauty being in the eye of the beholder because, you know, Will Levis, who I actually happen to have a little bit of exposure to, uh, he is from Connecticut where I live. So uh, he's kind of been a Connecticut legend for a while, has plenty of tools, guys, but there's a lot of refining that is needed. Anthony Richardson from Florida, I mean, a guy whose skill set is just absurd at its very best. Might have been well-served to go back for another year. And there are several quarterbacks kind of fit that mold where uh, you may see the good in them and feel really encouraged, but when you catch them on a bad day, you might be wondering to yourself, like, is there any way this guy can last in the NFL? You bring up that word tools, and again, for Chris Ballard, he's a big tools guy. Does that apply to quarterback? We'll see, but Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, a couple of names to keep in mind. Again, Field Yates from ESPN joining us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Field, if you don't mind, I'll ask you to kind of wear the Chris Ballard hat here for just a second, um, and and I guess let's start with head coach. Uh, they've interviewed seven candidates. What path do you think the Colts should go down on that front? Um, and then I guess a follow-up to that would be what path do you think they should go quarterback-wise? So I think I have to start by asking a question, and it's almost—it's not rhetorical, but I'm not sure that anybody has the answer to it. Is I'd love to know, like transparently, where exactly Chris Ballard's sort of power and influence is in this organization. I think a lot of us, and no one can speak to this better uh, than you guys, thought that when the team made a decision to replace Frank Reich or just fire Frank Reich in the first place, regardless of who they replaced him with, that it was a Jim Mercy decision. And Jim obviously came out and talked about how Chris Ballard's going to be the GM, and he's excellent at his job, and said some really nice things about Chris. But it was hard not to think that there were a lot of levers being pulled by the owner and not by the general manager this past year. If the truth is that Chris Ballard's in solid standing and he's going to be the guy to kind of navigate things going forward, then he has to make a decision. Because this roster is laced is too strong of a word, but there are certainly some really good pieces on this roster that – if you put a competent quarterback in place, then this team could be very, very good. That was exactly what we thought coming into this season. And while some guys did not meet expectations, specifically along the offensive line, like you got another great year out of DeForest Buckner, and Stephon Gilmore was an excellent free agent addition, and Yannick Ngakwe continued to do what he does, and generating pressure. The linebacker group, without Darius Leonard, found, or I don't know, found, but sort of developed guys into stars, right? I mean, like, this roster did a lot of good stuff this year, uh, even in spite of a really poor record. I think if Chris Ballard is the one who is in charge, I think that, and I could be totally wrong here, he's probably at the point where because of how the past few years have gone, 
not quite as inclined to try to band-aid it, the quarterback spot, with another veteran who's as, as certain as he is uncertain. I just think that you're probably, there's scar tissue from the Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan experiences. Philip Rivers obviously was really, really good for Indianapolis, but a one-year basis obviously makes things a little bit different. Maybe if you're Chris Ballard, uh, you're saying to yourself this morning, but just please declare CJ, even if the Colts don't love CJ Shroud, it's just one more quarterback right. in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. In a year when they've, and he's his backs at this point, Field, would you agree? Field Yates is our guest that Chris Ballard has to know the time is now, right? Like you have avoided this drafting of the quarterback for too long. The time is now. Yeah, it, it, it feels like that sort of is where we are at. And, you know, I will say this, and fans are going to probably hate this, and it's going to sound like, not sensitive, but it's going to sound like very vanilla, but, like, if there's not a quarterback there that you love, it's not always best business to just jam a quarterback selection onto the board. And this is a bad example because of how things have gone since then, but I'm using it as an example because I think it's, it's notable that teams don't always just take the best quarterback available, but the Cole, excuse me, the Panthers a few years ago, uh, two seed, two drafts ago, didn't like the quarterbacks they forecasted were going to be available. At pick eight, they ended up obviously making the trade for Sam Darnold, and Sam played a little bit better down the stretch this past season, but it's not like that was an experiment they probably would do over if they could, and they left Justin Fields and Matt Jones sitting there on the board, and you know, each of those guys, you know, independent of the other, has put together one solid season. Like, I think I would have rather gone down that path. The Broncos did the same thing, and, you know, the Russell Wilson experiment's only one year old, but it certainly looks like one that needs a lot, a lot of fixing going forward. So, um, and both the players that those teams took, you know, Pat Sertan, the second, and J.C. Holm are really, really, really good players. Um, but, you know, I just got to wonder, like, if you are the Colts, you just – you can't force it, but the opportunity cost, you don't want to be taking fourth very often. And if you don't, then uh, if you do, it's a, it means you, you, you continue to fail. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're planning to fail anymore. Like I think they need to be thinking swing big for a quarterback this offseason. Field, I've got a question for you. Field Yates is our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He's an NFL insider for ESPN, co-host, of course, of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Um and really good insight on the Colts, which I appreciate. I did have a question I asked Kevin earlier. Maybe it's rhetorical, but I want to see if you can add any perspective on this. On this. this confuses me. We know that because of the unique situation in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game that was canceled, that the AFC Championship game now would be on a neutral field. But we now yeah. have Cincinnati having to go to Buffalo in the postseason – both of these teams coming in, Cincinnati had one more loss than did Buffalo. Meaning, had they played that game and Cincinnati had won it, they would both have four losses. Thus, I believe the home field in the postseason would go, would it not, advantage Cincinnati because the first tiebreaker would be head-to-head. Should this game not be the one that is actually on a neutral field? Yeah, uh, there's a very, very compelling case that what you're saying is the truth. Um, and even if, like, they had to play them, I mean, I guess you could potentially make the case that back-to-back games could be played on neutral sites. One would be the Bills versus the Bengals this weekend, and then if the Bills won against, they play the Chiefs the following weekend, and you can make the case that that game should be just as deserving to be on a neutral site field. Yeah, and, 
you know, I think uh, it's important to remember the context here, right? Like playing a game on the road is not you know nearly as significant as the fact that a player literally almost lost his life on the football field. And, and that's the sort of the derivation of, of why all these conversations that we're having right now are taking place. So we're grateful and glad that DeMar Hamlin's safety is in a spot where we're no longer talking about whether he's going to make it or not. That's a really good thing. But I understand that if Bengals fans feel a little bit disappointed right now is, you know, they, they, they win a game at home last night and it's very likely the last home playoff game they'll have the rest of this year, uh, absent the Jaguars, I guess, doing what most people believe is unlikely right now against Kansas City. So I hear you. And uh, I, the, Bengals, the Bengals are a good team on the road. Uh, they'll, they'll have a chance against Buffalo this Sunday. But uh, if, if Cincinnati fans are a bit jilted this morning, I understand. Uh, he's the great Field Yates from ESPN. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Field, we've had seven names so far for the Colts head coach opening. Offensive minds, Ben Johnson, Shane Steichen, Eric Bieniemy. On defense, Raheem Morris, Aaron Glenn, and Ejiro Averro. And then Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. We're assuming Jeff Saturday will join that group, your former colleague. Uh, any of those names jump out to you? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say that and I hate to be the person that like jumps on the sort of the obvious train here, but Ben Johnson's probably the most intriguing. And some of it is like the devil you don't know versus the devil you do know. Right. And I guess devil is the wrong connotation, but you know, the allure of Ben Johnson is that, you know, we've seen some of the other men that have interviewed for this job and they've been head coaches before uh, on a full-time or interim basis. And I think they're sort of like the shiny object appeal for Ben Johnson right now, but it kind of does tie back to what I was talking about with Chris Ballard and his influence and his decision about where this roster is right now, because if you're planning on, on drafting a quarterback early, uh, and that's, that's sort of the mindset is that like our quarterback solution is going to be a guy 25 years or younger, somehow, some way this off season, then I think a young offensive mind to pair with that quarterback is really logical for all the obvious reasons. Um, if you plan to go down the veteran route, and you, you try to pursue a Derek Carr or a Baker Mayfield or a Jimmy Garoppolo, and if fans are, are frustrated hearing those names, I get you. I'm just throwing out the names that might potentially be available. Then I could see a, quarter, a, a head coach has kind of been there and done that before. Um, but I think it is probably dependent upon where their mindset is right now. I also got to be entirely honest with you guys is um, I am trying to change my ways as well uh, with like lathering on the praise of head coaching hires uh, because I went back and, and, and watched and read and saw some of the analysis over as an example, what happened when the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett last year. And you could have had me convinced that they had hired Vince Lombardi. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And he lasted 15 games. So I'm not trying to not do my job. I'm also trying to be realistic with those that are listening. That Very I, smart. Yeah, I, I'm impressed with the job that Ben Johnson did as a coordinator for the Detroit Lions. I've also spent zero days of my life working with Ben Johnson and have no idea how he would hold up in the room when he's addressing the defense after a win or a loss or a tie or whatever, right? Like, there's a lot more to going into the uh, to becoming a head coach of the NFL and being really good at it than how you handle, uh, you know, Jared Goff and Jamal Williams and Jamison Williams uh, during the 2022 NFL regular season. Field, we'll end with this. And again, really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, you think Lamar Jackson's back with the Ravens? I do, uh, and, but I, I'm starting to grow more weary of it by the day. The only reason why I say I do is just because there's such an obvious way for the Ravens to ensure that happens, which is the franchise tag. And 
that seems it'd be it'd be a discount if he plays next year on that franchise tag. And you know, with, with the Ravens, like they've invested so much into their roster around the kind of player that Lamar Jackson is that if they move on from Lamar, move on from Lamar Jackson, like yes, they're going to get an absolute bounty of picks in return for it. But it also means like a like an admission that we're going to have to reconstruct our roster entirely. So I'd be surprised. That being said, the vibes are extremely weird right now. Like the fact that he didn't show up to the game last night, I've heard. Listen, I'm aware of the fact that teams don't always bring injured players with them on road trips. All right, and I know, hey, you know, if you've got swelling or inflammation, being on a plane is not ideal, not perfect. You're the freak. You're the face of the franchise. What is it like? A, a, an hour flight from Baltimore to Cincinnati? Like I'm telling you, that to me was noteworthy. And I'm not blaming the player or the team there, but like it's it definitely stood out to me that he wasn't there. And I think more than anything, it signals that there is a disconnect right now between the player and the franchise, and they have to figure out quickly whether they can a work through that. And then B, find some middle ground on an extension because I know that they will always have the resources to find a way to make a deal that works, but it just holds up your ability to do other business. Like you're constantly managing the cap. And if Lamar Jackson's cap hit is going to be 25 or $26 million in the franchise tag next year, and then you have to budget another 40 the following year for a second franchise tag, that's different than if you have a long-term deal done where that number is going to be dramatically lower in year one. Yeah. At Field Yates on Twitter. Field, we appreciate it as always and look forward to talking to you again uh, perhaps as we get deeper into the offseason, but certainly appreciate the time. Yeah. See you guys next month in the Combine. Can't wait. Love Indianapolis and uh, love what you guys love the entire city's effort to uh, make the Combine as great as it is. Appreciate that, Field. Thank you. All right, guys. That's Field Yates again from ESPN right there on the Payless Lickers Hotline. I will echo that, Jake. I'm not one that you know tends to kind of dwell on those sort of storylines. I found it very odd that Lamar Jackson was not there last night. Felt like Victor Oladipo in the Boston Celtics series. Not to mention, like Mike Tirico is talking about how him and Tyler Huntley are such close, such great friends. Right. I mean, isn't that that an element of it? Um, yeah, I found that really, really odd. We'll hold off on the pop quiz until tomorrow. Um, we'll round things out looking ahead to tonight, Dallas and Tampa. Final wildcard game, a wildcard weekend. Thank you to um, Jay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Bob Kravitz and Field Yates for joining us on this Martin Luther King Junior day again, no JMV this afternoon. Pacers broadcast begins at two thirty. From uh, our coverage will begin at two. Uh, tip is at two thirty. Pacers and Bucks, Purdue and Michigan State also in action. Ironically at two thirty. So some afternoon hoops here uh, are in you, the market. Does Notre Dame play today? They do not. Last year actually on Martin Luther King Day, Notre Dame played at Howard. I just noticed you got on the lucky hat. Yeah, I was just cold. They had a. Just a brutal finish at Syracuse. They so they stink. were cold also is what you're Yeah, fire Mike Bray. <laughs> if it ends in why. How well do you know Mike Bray? Uh, a little bit. You know, just been to a couple functions with him, spoke with him afterwards. I mean, great dude. Unbelievable run. You should resign, sir. <laughs> um, you tell him. 
I've egged his house a few times. That's about it. Excuse me? <laughs> no. Again, he's had an, a, an unbelievable You, you realize now that if kids want to egg a house, it costs him 26 bucks. <laughs> uh, great dude. Great human. Hilarious. Uh, I mean, it's Notre Dame basketball. I, I, I get where they fall on the old, uh, whatever, new cycle scale. But, yeah, no juice in the program. None. How about J.K. Dobbins, by the way, after the game yesterday with the Tyler Huntley play? He never should have been in that situation. I don't get a single carry. I didn't get a single carry. He should never have been in that situation. I believe I would have put it in the end zone again. Boy, watching Dobbins last night, I don't think he's wrong. He was a man possessed. I'm a guy who feels like I should be on the field all the time. It's the playoffs. Why am I not out there, he said. I should be the guy, and I'm tired of holding that back. This will probably make Colts fans puke. If uh, the Bucks win tonight, Tom Brady will have 36 postseason wins in his career. Okay. 36. How many NFL franchises have more than 36 wins in the postseason? Boy. I would say that the, well, the New England Patriots. Although, you know what? Trying to think of postseason wins the Patriots would have had without Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, in '86 they they won in Miami, so they have a couple of them there. So I'll say I'll say New England would be one. Uh, San Francisco and Pittsburgh, maybe Dallas. New England has one playoff win, or I guess two playoff wins because they're at thirty. Brady's at thirty five right now. New England has thirty seven total as a franchise. Okay. If Brady gets to 36 tonight, there will not be one other NFL franchise that has more playoff wins than Tom Brady. Really? Pittsburgh at 36, San Francisco and Dallas at 35. The only other franchise above 25 would be the Green Bay Packers at 33. Packers suck! Again, I, I get the hatred for Brady, but... It's amazing, yeah. Unbelievable. And here's the ultimate testament to him. He's not played well this year. They have not blown you out of the water, but would it surprise anybody if suddenly now the Bucks flip a switch and oh, win a couple? I, I've been that all about Dallas all year, and I am like, gosh, am I really going to bet on Dallas tonight? Right, right. Is this the first time I think Brady's ever been a home underdog in the playoffs? I saw one person that said that they think Brady will be in New Orleans next year with Sean Payton. I feel like I've seen Brady in seven different stops next year. Right, he's going back to New England. He's going to Vegas. He's going to Vegas. New would be where I would put my money. Hope Ty Hilton has a big night for Dallas. Um, this will round out the winner. Will go to San Francisco. Boy, San Fran looks awfully good. Yes, they do. They do, and it's kind of wild to think they were down in the third quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. And Seattle then we forget about Philly. I mean, Philly's the number one seed in the NFC. Well, how about Cincinnati-Buffalo meeting on Sunday? Those are teams that have won 17 straight games. You combine the two. Yeah. Spot teams right now. Uh, I'll go with the Cowboys. Who you guys got? Bucks. Dallas. Pacers Bucks 230, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, that is, and Purdue-Michigan State at 230. We'll recap it all with you tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.